G'day legend, welcome to the Noob Sparrow Podcast. I am your host Trek. Today we're off to Mackay, Neptune Spear and Dive specifically. It's a couple that run the shop. It's Caitlin and Shelby. These two are absolute, absolute champions of the highest caliber. I cannot recommend them highly enough. Uh, from the from the time I first jumped on the phone with Caitlin, uh, right through to this interview, they've always just been great people to chat with, and I can tell they are really servicing their community really well up there in Mackay. So check them out. Uh, yeah, hey, let's get into. We're going to get into the sort of the story that these two have behind sort of uh, the shop and their passion for spearfishing uh, and two shakes of a lamb star. Before we get there, a couple of quick shout outs. Neptonix, hurrah! Uh, our, one of our major sponsors uh, and a definite team of legends over there in the States doing a great job, particularly if you are into the gun building, spear gun building. If you'd love geeking out on that, neptonics.com have got a huge range of products. Um, the latest email I had from, uh, from Jerry and his team is their new, brand new Neptonics epoxy kits. Uh, again, if you're interested in timber spear guns, laminate spear guns, and you want to protect them, check out the Neptonics epoxy kit up on neptonics.com. Uh, they're always doing a great job. Um, exciting bit of news. We may have a new and slightly controversial sponsor coming on the podcast soon. Definitely right up our alley. alley. Uh, maybe our shark alley if I can be a little bit uh, mysterious about it all. But we'll see how that eventuates. I'm pretty excited about that opportunity. So, hey, thanks, guys, if you have been on the lookout for some new partners for Noob Sparrow. They're always welcome to reach out and email me, shrek at noobsparrow.com. Hey, guys, um, also up in noobsparrow.com, in the menu there, there is a place to leave a voice message. I love playing these things on the podcast. I haven't had one for a little while. So go to noobsparrow.com, head up into the menu. I want to hear about a story from you about maybe a recent experience or a very memorable experience with a tax man. Uh, go there and tell me about something that you have experienced with the tax man. That'll be really cool. Um, guys, Noob Sparrow Spearfishing Courses and Trips are they're going really well and I'm, I'm pretty excited about sort of opening this up in the last year and um, I continue to be surrounded by just legends. It's so cool to gather around a campfire over the weekend, um, go for a, like in the beginner courses we do a paddy stage A freediving course and then move into spearfishing. It's all taught with spearfishing in mind but it's cool sort of getting to know each other over a weekend, these small groups with uh, another bunch of cool instructors that I take along with me and uh, if you want to check them out, spearfishingcourses.com.au. Um, also, something a little bit unusual today, I want to do a quick shout out to The Guns. It's a membership tier on the uh, on, the, on our Patreon page. So if you go to patreon.com forward slash noobspiro, there is one tier there. These guys pay $10 per episode to support the podcast. And I'm going to be honest, these guys are a massive part of keeping fuel in the Noobspiro outboard. So shout outs to Captain Dan Walsh, Chris, Brian, Jacob, Ed, Tiffany, Adam, and Duncan. You guys are absolute legends. I, they didn't ask for the shout out. Um, I just wanted to say thank you and um, and honor their contribution to the Noob Spirit Outboard. But hey, let's get into today's episode. Caitlin and Shelby, Neptune, Spear and Diver Mackay. Here we go. I was left with an empty cooler after missing and wounding a bunch of fish with a shoddy spear gun. A work colleague urged me to speak to Naptonics. And I'm so glad I did. Without Jerry and the Neptonics team, 
I would have kept missing bulk fish and coming home to my wife empty-handed. Now I can focus on slaying monster hogs and groper and covering the deck of my boat in blood. Never buy a shitty piece of equipment again. Shopneptonics.com. Use the code NOOB10 to save 10% and go spearing with confidence. Jerry says, if we sell it, we believe in it, we trust it, and dive it. Shopneptonics.com. Free shipping for the lower 48 for orders over $199. And you can save 10% when you use the code NOOB10. N-O-O-B-1-0 at Neptonics.com. Hoorah! Adreno stocks equipment for noobers. The gear you need for all things freediving and spearfishing. The Adreno spearfishing team froth on helping customers learn about the latest in spearfishing equipment, local diving, upcoming trips and events for spearos of all levels of experience. There's no ego in there. You're going to meet cool people that love this spearing lifestyle as much as you do. Visit them in store in one of their huge mega stores around Australia. Chat to one of their friendly team members. Take advantage of the Noob Spiro discount code. Save $20 on every purchase over $200 in store, online, easy savings. Pump in the code Noob Spiro if you're shopping online or in store. Mention it's one of their friendly team members and save $20 over $200. That's right, use the code Noob Spiro in store. Shop with Adreno, our partner for more than 200 episodes. On that note, uh, welcome to the Noob Spirit Podcast. I'm joined with by two legends, uh, Mackay, the Mackay Neptune Spear and Dive Power Couple. It's uh, Shelby and Caitlin. Guys, welcome to the show. It's been, we've trying to we've been trying to organise it for a little while. I originally met you through um, I think Kurt might have told you Caitlin about my books, ninety nine Spear recipes. No, no, it was another legend. It was Kelly, Kelly Kim. Ah, oh, Kelly, he's a legend. Kelly Kim. He's been a, he's been um he's been such a mad dude to the podcast over the years. Honestly, like soul of the soul of the earth kind of dude. He was an absolute godsend for us too. Like he helped us with our recent expansion that we just done as well. So yeah, and he's obviously put us in connection with you as well, which is awesome so oh, he's a mad dude he's like his um, messages of encouragement sometimes have hit me at like real lows during the whole journey of noob spiro and like it, uh, people don't realize sometimes like just a couple of sentences can really make your day and he's one of those dudes that just does that and i i've got to highly commend him he, he deserves some mad reps i get oh, to yeah. see his face he actually comes through the door and he's got a massive smile on his face yeah, and it's totally. very much appreciated from this angle too so <laughs> That is yeah. wicked. That's wicked. Like being yeah. in being in business and being in spearfishing, it's a small world, you know. Those those people sometimes seem like they're few and far between sometimes. So well, cool. the way that we like to treat everyone is is like they're our neighbor. Like the back in the back in the day when you didn't look at your neighbor like a Karen, it was <laughs> all very friendly. And that's the way that we like to treat it here is, you know, everyone that walks through the door, they're all gonna get the same service. It's, you know, like they're your mate. So Kelly is a true gentleman, but we are blessed with some really good customers. So, yeah, people that do come in, thank you very much. Yeah, we appreciate the support. So let's just get into – I want to start off the interview, and I do want to dig into your personal stories. I was actually – and fair warning here, um, Shelby, I'm going to ask you to introduce Caitlin uh, and a bit about um, her background and why she started spearfishing. And Caitlin, I'm going to ask you to do the same for Shelby. I've never done this before, so it's a bit of an experiment, but I'm kind of vibing with you guys. I think it's going to work. Before we get that there, though, I want you to talk about Mackay spearfishing and particularly 
um, the role you guys serve as Neptune Spear and Dive in the area and um, how you guys kind of support your local spearing community? Um, Mackay, geez, well, where do we start? It's really got it all, to be honest. Um, Best of everything. Yeah, we've got, like, you can literally dive in some of our creeks, uh, not all of them, but some of our creeks and our local Piney River in the middle of town here. Oh, wow. Um, so a very local yeah. spot to a lot of people um, that's, you know, within five or ten minutes from home. Um, you can get a you can get a dive in there on sunrise or sunset even, chase a nice barramundi, a lot, lot, of, lot of really nice-sized barramundi. There's some big ones in there as well. Um, you know, like a lot of meteries still get get taken from the area, especially out of the river. But I'm just going to just ask a real quick and obvious question here. What about crocs? They're there, but around – so in Mackay, they're not as – Prominent. prominent they're a little bit more intimidated by humans and they stay in uh, their areas yeah. whereas if you go an hour and a half up the road it's a yeah. completely different story there's prossy river and stuff like that which holds the i think queensland's largest population yeah they're, they're, look there's a few spots to definitely like we definitely give people a heads up like there's a few large animals that live on the coastline in the area here um luckily touch wood uh, no incidents in 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 yeah, going back a long way. But, um, look, they are out there. They do deserve the respect and um, don't go looking for trouble. But we do have a lot of really safe spots. The river is quite a safe spot. Um, you just, can go dive bridge pylons and whatnot. You see anything yeah. from jacks mm-hmm. and finger mark, um, brim, flathead, whiting. You get big bar in there. Like um, you get queenfish. You can even get um, mackerel in the front of the river quite often and whatnot. So it's, as I say, look, we really do have it all in the fact that you can start from diving a couple of selected creeks um, and our local Piney River in the middle of town, which, you know, as I said, bridge diving and whatnot. Um, then you can go out and do your uh, rocky and weedy headlands. There's a few coral headlands further to the south along Cape Palmerston National Park. Um, we've got our inshore islands um, just off the coast, like flat top and round top out the front of the um, river. We've got Slade Island out the front of the harbour. Um, we've got Slade Rock, which is a little shoal just off that, like, then we step out to our uh, wreck diving and whatnot. There's a few scattered wrecks um, anywhere from um, six to 18 mile out sort of um, sort of thing quite okay. commonly. There's only a handful of them, you know, anything ranging from um, I think 12, 13 metres through to 30-odd metres of water. Okay. Um, then we've got our inner islands, our outer islands. We have blue water. We've got our inner reefs, our outer reefs. It's literally Mackay has it all. Um Generally in a six, six and a half metre boat or anything with a bit of range and horsepower, um, you can pretty much do it all off here. Whereas if you go a bit further north, the reef is um, the reef will see a bit more pressure in your coastal diving. You've got to be a little bit more careful with the animals you mentioned before, Shrek. Yeah, right. Um, and as you go further south, you start to find that the distance you've got to cover is sort of starting to get out of hand trying to get out to them out of reef. So that's where your charters and whatnot come in. So Mackay really does hold its own, that Mackay on the Whit Sundays, for really having it all. Just need a bit more water clarity. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. What, what, what's the season? What are the seasons there? Give me the broad strokes and and sort of seasonality of it. This year, out the water. It's oh, there's wow. no predicting it, but usually <laughs> it's been an odd year. It has bit- still been a good year, but so yeah. is that is that got something to do with the La Nina El Nino sort of crossover time, or is it just what you guys are not meteorologists? I know, but what are your <laughs> theories about it all? Well, my theory is our local weatherman needs to be locked up. He's trying to call me more times than I know. Um, my honest opinion is I reckon that it's like on a cycle. 
it's they call it mother nature i reckon she's on a cycle um, <laughs> i think once every few years there's like just a random year that either produces really well or doesn't produce well and i think this year has been one of those years it just hasn't been a normal year we are coming into our prime time i reckon yeah. though so like this the, from September through to Christmas, I've been finding is the great time because your your days are starting to get a little bit longer, Shrek. Your temperature is becoming more stable where your te- yeah, like your ambient um, temperature is very similar to your water temperature. Um, nice. We've still got some really good tides and we're generally in the build-up where we won't see a lot of rain and we haven't had a ra- bit of rain for some time. So them reef days um, and even island days at this time of year are just glorious. So this is my absolute favourite but. Yeah. Otherwise, so you save your sickies for sort of September to December, is that right? <laughs> My boss is a dick, so yeah, when, no when you run your own day. business, there's no sickies, eh? Unless you're like, I don't know, like I have met guys that run their own businesses and they definitely make spearfishing a priority, but it's yeah. it's hard when you're running a, a retail service and people will like they expect the shop to be open. It's not like you can go, go on fishing and just put it's a sign. If the weather's that good, nine times out of ten, everyone else is out there and we see them at the boat ramp anyway. <laughs> oh, that's cool. Good. That's a cool vibe. Yeah. yeah. Our boat is also named Neptune. So yeah. we're very distinguishable. <laughs> bit of a standout, but yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you a bit more about the Neptune title. But okay, so we've talked about the seasonality and, and some of the conditions. What what is it that affects the and turns on or turns off the Mackay area? Is it is it wind? Is it rain, as you mentioned? What what seems to um, turn it on and turn it off. If yeah. I can be completely honest here, I don't think anything deters the Mackay people because even when there is wind, people still do a lot of coastal coastal diving. When there is a heap of rain, people tend to go out. So it it doesn't really eliminate anything. It sort of hypes people up, if anything, yeah. because they're itching to get out. Forces you, you to be sort of strategic and go, okay, like the wind's not been favourable, um, so we're going to dive some inshore stuff because there hasn't been much rain. And then if the converse is true and it's been raining a lot, then you're like, well, let's head further offshore where the water's not going to be as um, clarity affected. Yeah. So. There's a few spots around here that, um, like you've got Hideaway Bay up in the Sundays, which is an absolute brilliant spot. Like there's a few beautiful resorts there and a nice pub on the beach, friendly locals. Just to, it, it is the spot of spots. If you come up here, you've got to have a look out up there. Anyway, you can go diving for craze and whatnot and it's quite protected and it does maintain a bit of nicer, cleaner water. Mm. And then even down here off Shoal Point, there's a um, particular stretch of coastline where once the tide drops low enough and you'd think that, oh, low tide everywhere else is dirty, it actually comes quite clean because the tide stops running through there. And a lot of it's only two odd metres deep. And when I was young diving through there, we lost count of how many big tuskies we shot through there. Like, um, every dive we'd at least see a seven kilo like um wow. we've knocked a few 10 kilos off through there and it's just brilliant spearing like we've seen some big craze and some fingers like it's as i said like Using even if you scales there right oh yeah <laughs> shall shall be certified yeah, yeah. oh we see a few every now and then it's, yeah. you're like you laugh at it a couple of times. 12 kilo like, tusky, like, yeah, right. <laughs> I've seen it. So sometimes on social media, someone's holding up a fish and they're like, you know, like 13 kilos and you look at it and you're like, yeah, no, it's six and a half. But, yeah. but you don't want to be that guy. You don't want to be that guy that's like, oh, mate, that's only – you just go, oh, well done, mate, rip a fish, you know, because – They're in it for the hype for them too because, you know what, they're, they're stoked with it. They've got yeah, it. So. Yeah, yeah. 
good on you, mate. We're we're there clapping for you in the background as well. So I'm the same, and I've probably been guilty of it too in the past. And like, if you are <laughs> going to bring correction, I always love the little private message. It's like, hey, bro, I don't know if that was 100 percent right. <laughs> <laughs> I'll start I'll start up Nick Lowridge on you now, just to see how far I can get before you send me a private message. Then. Yeah, well done. Yeah, let's do it on the Neptune page on um on Insta. So if people do want to come and check it out, like um, Neptune Spear and Dive on Instagram, you guys um it seems like you geek out a fair bit on on gear, Caitlin. I'm not sure if Shelby says, shares the same, but um I'm looking forward to chatting with you about that. Before we get there, um I want you to introduce each other. So, um, tell me, Caitlin, let's start with you. I'll pick on you. Introduce Shelby and why he started spearfishing, you think, and how it all started for him. To be honest, I'm not 100% sure <laughs> why or how, but I know that he was always into fishing. Like, he, as a kid, was he wasn't, like, as you probably know, growing up, we didn't have electronics in our hands and stuff. So you found entertainment through other means and... Shelby had his mum and his sister, so obviously wanted to get out of the house, I reckon. <laughs> um, as much as he loves them, I reckon he wanted to get out of the house. Um, and he was always into camping and fishing and doing that side of things. So I don't think it would have taken much for him to get into spearing at that point. Am I far off? No. No? <laughs> nice. Nice. Are you guys both North Queenslanders? Or do you call yourself North Queenslanders or Central Queenslanders? We're both actually from like dirt pit holes, to be honest. Hey. Yeah, both born <laughs> out in the Bowen Basin. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Pretty yeah. much been in, been in the region here for most of our lives. So, yeah, some of us have been a bit abroad more than others, uh, lucky ones here. But, yeah, I've right. been in the air for quite some time. I've been here for uh, yeah, close to 30 years now. And, yeah, Caitlin. Your age? Yeah, well, yeah. But yeah, we grew up in the in the country, just out of town here, pretty much. So yeah, yeah. awesome, awesome, yeah. love it. And so, how spot on was Caitlin Shelby? Like, what? How old were you when you started spearing, and what did that look like? Um, I've been around the water since back when I was a baby. Like when I first, well, anything I could first remember. Um, yeah, I used to go out fishing and um, fishing in our boat that we had, and out the islands up in the Smith groups off Seaforth, and um, yeah. Got photos when I was a kid holding trout up, and I remember chasing my sister around. And I remember my sister clinging to the post under her bed at three in the morning, saying she's not going, or she's getting dragged out by the ankles. I'd be like, "All right, get in the car." Oh, <laughs> He's yeah. that keen on it that even when he um, has deep sleeps, he tries to steal the blanket off me. And when I try to get it back, he thinks he's fishing, so he's, <laughs> he's mad into it. <laughs> As time got on, and sort of in high school, there went just after I was the age of ten. Um, yeah, a few mates, um, their fathers had six metre boats and like all us boys we used to go fishing together and whatnot. And um, yeah, we just sort of went for a few snorkels and dives here and there. And it was it was different to just sitting in the sitting in the boat just fishing and whatnot. It was a whole new world. And yeah, once you dip your head underwater, it's um yeah, it's a whole new world down there. So I think that's where I really got hooked when I was young. So yeah, a few of us lads used to um yeah, sort of we all sort of come to it at the same sort of time. We're all still doing it to this day. Um yeah, so yeah, she wasn't far off the mark at all, pretty onto it. All right. Well, it's your turn now. Tell me about Caitlin and how she started it with it all. He's he's going to cheat here because I actually spoke to him about this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'll give you an easy version. Um, this will be whether he listened or not. Cast <laughs> of his listening skills as a husband. I love this. Oh, no, no, he's not, he's not at that level yet. <laughs> oh, 
<laughs> well, it's quite a simple, Shrek. Um, you know, you, while you're out diving, um, you get pretty hungry and you need to take a lunch lady on the boat, so. <laughs> this guy. <laughs> nah. Well, when Caitlin and I um, first got together, just bought a uh, just bought a 17-foot Hanes and, yeah, Caitlin come out for a few island days and whatnot and I was always encouraging her to get in the water and pretty much soon she got in, she was hooked. But at the very start of it, I was, we were having a really quiet day out at, um, it's called Prudhoe Island off Hay Point. And I was in these caves out the, um, out the back of Prudhoe and they, they normally hold a bit of jacks and like good life out there. And it was just really, really quiet. The only thing in this big, massive cave was this turtle that just kept swimming over to me, just cool as cute, just cool, cool, calm customer. And I pretty much just gently grabbed onto its shell and it just relaxed. And I swam up, put it on the back of the boat beside Kayla and says, oh, there you go, you want a turtle? And yeah, she patted it for a minute and it chilled out, then put it back in the water and it swam off after a photo. Oh, wow. After that, it didn't I got swim her in. fast. It was it was so. I think it was just very sleepy. Yeah, it just, just wanted to chill out with us for a minute. It was um, it was one of them encounters you sort of get. So yeah. After that, awesome. I managed to get you in, and from then on, she was hooked. It wasn't really hard to get me in the water, but. Mm. <laughs> oh, I said, how could you resist a bloke with a seventeen foot Hanes? You you're not going anywhere after you go for a ride in one of those boats. <laughs> I'm definitely not a possessions kind of girl. Yeah. Like that meant nothing to me at the time. Now I'm like, oh, it's such an awesome boat. Yeah. Only because I'm so invested in it. Yeah, Jeepers. They're, but they're a great boat. They are. Mm. Yeah. Cool. So you had this exhausted um turtle, probably just done 24 hour fight with a with a tiger shark. And you, you got this poor bloody exhausted thing up on the back of the boat and pretended like it was super chill. And then the thing struggled away and you guys celebrated and, and that was how it all started. It's cool. <laughs> no, no, I'm just joking. I've, I think I've had experiences like that with turtles too. Like sometimes they're just in a super chill, super dopey mood. Like quite often you find them sort of camping, sleeping out under a, under an overhang or something and yeah. they're a cool I very animal. I rarely interfere. Like I very, very rarely interfere with any marine wildlife out there. Like I've been in the water and had whale calves come within a few metres of me in dirty island water, which scared living daylights out here. Mm. Uh, turned over my shoulder at, um, up at Paramount and there was a dugong <laughs> there. I think we both oh, wow. as equally. And um, like as, you know, that's spooking things. But when you when you see a turtle just having a chill on the bottom or even a sea snake just doing its thing, like if I wanted to go mm-hmm. in that side of the bombing, all right, I'll go check this one over here. Like, yeah. I'll just... You know, like, yeah, don't interfere and just leave them live their life and do their thing. But it was it in was, no distress. It was one of those. Nah, no, nah, it's all good. I'm sorry to yeah. hassle you about it. I, <laughs> I, I, I love it. I love a bit of tongue in cheek. Yeah, I, no. I, I, um, I find some of those moments when you're out there and, like, it's very anti the whole spearing vibe. Sometimes it's like you, you, where you almost fall into this, like, just enjoying what's around you, mode. And it's, you just sort of forget about the spearing for a minute and just enjoy it for what it is. And I've had moments like that too. It's cool. I'm very guilty of that. When we go spearing, if I've got a trout and a tusky on the boat, I'm pretty happy. And if I've got a cray, I'm ecstatic. So at that point, I'm like, yeah, cheering. But I usually just go for looking and for the actual freediving purpose of it, more so than the spearing and whatnot. Like I'm not a massive greenie or anything. Like I still care, but I'm not there to obliterate an area. Either. Yeah, like, yeah. Yeah. You can get into a mindset too, like where you just like, like, oh, I want to fill the esky, and 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 then other days it's good when you can just kind of go, well, this is what I want to eat, and this is kind of what I've already caught, and 
Um, I've done it sometimes and swapped out for a camera or, you know, or more focused on getting some of my less experienced mates onto the fish. And that can be even more rewarding, I think, sometimes than just shooting your bag limit of trout. So I can relate to that. I seem to do really good with attracting the fish in so everyone else can shoot them. So, yeah. <laughs> nice. Everyone seems to snake my Spanish every time. So Yeah, we've got this one particular mate called Blake. We call him Blake the Snake. <laughs> <laughs> If you're listening, buddy, good on you. Keep the good work up. <laughs> Sometimes with the Spanish too, they're guilty of like someone does a drop to the bottom, spends a bit of time there and comes up and they always want to come in then. And so it's quite often the buddy that shoots them, eh? And oh, no, a- I'll, I'll still be down there, Shrek. <laughs> oh, rugged. Yeah, these are, these are proper games. These aren't just, yeah. Oh, he did it once accidentally and now it's just like a forever thing where everyone's just going to snake my Spanish. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, Spanish here a bit. Um, I don't know. The, I'd have to say the most frequent I see Spanish is if we're, especially if we're swimming the side of a reef or the side of an island or something, they'll generally come um, up behind you, swimming into the current, and they'll sort of have a look at you. And by the time you roll your, you know, roll your head over and look out to the side, they're more or less in line with you, if not a little bit in front of you or deeper. You know, obviously a little bit deeper than you. Yeah, right. Um, and they've already had their sort of look and satisfied their curiosity, and that's the last you're going to see of them. But the um, the trusty old just turn and turn and burn for exactly where they just came from and pull up just gets them every time. Oh yeah, re- really? Yep, just turn and swim hard in the opposite direction that they just came from, and just pull up what? for a second. They'll generally just wheel straight around in front of you to see what they've missed. I'll just help you there. You said swim in the opposite direction, so you want yeah, to swim to in the direction that they just came from. No, so, yeah. yeah, yeah. I got I got the gist of it. I, yeah, that's a, that's cool. Like, and that sounds like a localised behaviour too. Yeah, well, that's it's, what we've seen here a lot on the reef and whatnot, like yeah. especially reef diving. They'll, um, yeah, just be patrolling that reef edge, just coming in for a look. Like they might come in from the deeper water to see what the bit of, uh, well, obviously see what a diver is swimming along the side there. And They've got uh, FOMO too. So if you swim in the opposite direction, they're just like, oh, what did I miss? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's their old trusty trick. But Oh, yeah, anyway. that's good. Really like that's a good Otherwise, tip. just swim down to Snake Caitlin's. It's easier. <laughs> Let Caitlin draw them in and then drop down and boom, plug them. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> it seems to work. So, how, oft- how often do you guys get out spearing now with the shop? Goof. It's taken a bit of Some a Some more than others. Yeah. <laughs> guilty on that. Right, I'm just running the outboarding. No, yeah. we are. Um, <laughs> when we opened the shop, we. um we really had to tone it back a bit. Like we, we were doing um, we were doing a lot of miles out on the water every year, um, a lot of dives. If the weather was good, we were generally out there. But um, when we opened the shop, we really toned it back. We obviously had a lot of work to do between the two businesses. Um, and on top of that, we'd taken the Hanes off the water. We wanted to do a few little things to it. Um, little, he says. Mm, things we- <laughs> Ransom, floor. No, nah, well, that's the thing. It had already been a part... It had already been a part prior. This is the and, third um, time it's been off the water. Oh, wow. <laughs> I wanted a lot more fuel in it and uh, I wanted to, to make it a safer boat more or less. So I never foam filled it in the in the past and that's something that was always in my mind that um, if we ever come off a wave really bad or did something really wrong a long way out, especially with the sun going down, if I had my partner on board and the sun was going down and that boat was gone, but, um, it was always something that sat in the back of my mind. So I thought, bugger it, wanted a bit extra fuel in there and whatnot. So, yeah. More fuel, full flotation, and um, yeah, a few little mod cons in there, and so yeah, we took the boat off the water to do that pretty much. How's it um, ride now? 
Oh, <laughs> rides better <laughs> with more whole, fuel. And it's a whole new animal. Well, we traded off. Uh, we traded off some weight for fuel, more or less. So I've still got an optimized hull weight, but um, yeah, I'll fill you boat in a minute. But more or less the. Yeah, we really tone the spearing back to look after our customers, look after the shop, get it off the ground. Um, and we started going back to, like, we still had the little boat available and we mate had his little boat. He's five minutes from the boat ramp. We'd just zip down for a little shore dive here or there for a couple of hours. I'll say shore dive out of a tinny pretty much. But, um, yeah, we just went for them little more intimate um, intimate dives where just out chasing the cray or whatnot for a couple of hours. You get two crays, two fish, and you go and have a barbie at your mate's place or whatnot while you're, have a chat and have a catch up on Sunday RV. And that was pretty much where we were living there for a bit. Nothing better than two blokes on a boat being intimate. Oh, you were there trip. too. <laughs> 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 I'm having a look at your shop now. So you guys are not far off the boat ramp, eh? Hey? Or is it around the other one of there? One of the boat ramps, yeah. So yeah. that boat ramp that you're seeing there is to the river. That's the Pioneer River. So that there is where you can go left and you can go to the, the first bridge, which is upstream. Upstream, yep. yeah. Sydney, so there's three Sydney bridges Street. you can dive. Um, yeah, it's a it's a it's all right little spot. Otherwise, generally you see a lot of people running offshore launch out of the harbour. It's got a it's a six lane facility. Um, oh, yeah, okay. two person jetties. There's a field dock there. VMRs there. Um, it's it's probably be. the more popular of the two. You're yeah. in a marina as well, so you're not susceptible to currents and whatnot that you get in the in the river. Mm. But um, yeah, the river's just there. It's a great spot if you don't forget the keys to the outboard at home. <laughs> Story time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Shelby's a... really good at leaving keys at home, oh, which is know. about mm, 35, 40 minutes. Yeah. Oh, hectic. This is going to kill me. Eh? I, was, I, I sort of more or less talked him into finishing up early, <laughs> finishing up early on the tools to jump in the river because the conditions were so good. And we got to the river and, and the keys weren't in the outboard and he was just filthy with me. So we uh, we ripped the ignition barrel out of it pretty quickly. And <laughs> would you believe it that the local dealer had the keys, the key numbers either side of the, uh, one, I needed, the one I needed? So I, um, I said, look, well, we've got an electric motor, mate. We only need to go a few hundred metres and he just wouldn't have a bar of it. So, yeah, we went back the next day. <laughs> Ragged. Yeah, it is a great spot, beautiful spot. Yeah, nice. Cool. All right, so how big? How many people live in Mackay? Oh, yeah. Next question, please. Yeah, three or four. <laughs> estimate? It's an estimate? Couldn't even tell you. I haven't kept my finger on that. Like, it's, it's the Bowen growing. Basin. Like, it it, yeah, it comes yeah. and goes as well with the booms and whatnot as well, like being yeah. a mining town. Um, it's a pretty stable town, though, because if it's not a mining boom, then everyone still eats a shit ton of sugar. So we've got cane all around us. Yeah, righto. And I was up in Airlie recently. How far away from the what Sundays are you? About an hour and forty-five minute drive on land. Yeah, hour and a half. Captain's driving. <laughs> <laughs> Do it in better, but not with Shelby beside me. <laughs> no, nah, the glorious with Sundays are just up the road. Um, yeah, you can drive by car or drive by boat. A lot of people here just shoot up there in the boats, um, even if they're just having a a weekend away on the islands or whatnot. Some have actually done it in kayaks. So I've, there's God. a sail, there's a bloke, um, his name's Mark, and he has a YouTube channel called Sail to Spear. And that's actually pretty interesting if you get time. He's recently done a trip from Mackay and he's, um, I forget what they're, they're called. It's a kayak, but it's got the. Outrigger. Yeah, and the sail and stuff. And mm. 
Yeah, it was awesome. There was a group of them that did it, and it looked freaking amazing. That'd be wicked. That'd be that'd be pretty. Um, that could be pretty hairy, I'd imagine, like um, out there well, as just, well. They just hopped between the islands. Oh, mm. yeah, yeah. I'm more into horsepower myself, but <laughs> <laughs> just hammer down. We're going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, good. I'm into boats and stability. Uh, take my hat off to them guys out there living their dream but it's good to see people out there living that good life it is cool to see yeah especially locally yeah cool I love that feeling underwater when you pull the trigger and you know exactly where that shaft is going you want something dependable you want to put that fish that you've been chasing for a lifetime in the boat in the cooler in the esky in the chilli bin if you're in New Zealand why do we call all these things different names anyway Today's show sponsor, KillshotSpearGuns.com, make awesome wooden timber spear guns, a fantastic shooting platform. If you've ever shot a big timber gun, you know the, the reliability that you get from these things. So he mostly makes enclosed track spear guns. Visit him at KillshotSpearGuns.com. Use the code NOOB to save $30 on any Killshot spear gun. Hey guys, not sure how you stay hydrated out on the boats on those long days out on the water, uh, but staying hydrated is absolutely critical to towards good equalization and looking after your body, making sure you're not doing those awkward one-legged kicks to the surface when, when one leg cramps out on you. Go to aqualite.com.au and get yourself a box of sachets. You just simply add them to water. It's less than $1.28 per serve. It's cheaper and cheaper and healthier than any other sports drinks on the market. Aqualite will make a difference in your spearfishing. Check it out at aqualite.com.au. Use the code NoobSparrow to save 10% on any order. Check it out. Aqualite, made in Western Australia. Got a sweet deal for you today, guys. Go to freedivingfamily.com and learn from Adam Stern and a select team of experts on different disciplines. There's Frenzel, Advanced Frenzel and Hands-Free Equalization, Mouthful, Deep Frenzel Equalization, Bifinning Essentials. These are courses that will give you the 1% that will allow you to improve. Use the code SPIRO to get 20% off any course at freedivingfamily.com. Again, that's the code SPIRO to get 20% off at freedivingfamily.com. Thanks, Adam and team. Love it. So for you two, like with your sparing journeys, um, let's go one one each. Like, what's something that you maybe struggled with, or like an obstacle or an element of of spearfishing that you maybe struggled with, and then consciously improved? I'll go first. Um, at the start, everything. Yeah. Even yeah. So hence the shop. So <laughs> um, when I first got started, I had incorrect fitting foot pockets. Um, which actually severed the nerve on the top of my foot. Oh, um, what, just from so, rub, rubbing or? Yeah, they were just too tight. They just put too much pressure and the skin on the top of your foot isn't really thick. There's no muscle. There's yeah. nothing to stop it. So the pressure of the rubber on my foot and obviously kicking throughout the day and everything and didn't know really what had happened. My feet were killing me and the boys were like, oh, nah, just harden up. Is that, yeah, right. is that your dorsal flex? Is that that one? Do you know the name for that? Sorry. The, just... No, there's um, – I actually don't know the nerve. It's just one nerve that okay. I severed. It wasn't like anything too dramatic, but it just – I lost feeling on the inside of my big toe. Okay. Um, but, yeah, now when I fit people up, I know what not to do. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
just it's a massive thing for me and that's what I like to make people aware of is when you're getting gear having that little bit of pain for me helps me give better advice yeah definitely definitely um yeah so at the start I thought it was just normal and that I needed to harden up but it definitely wasn't you don't need pain you don't need discomfort there is ways around it it's just finding what works best for a person um, and then obviously doing a free diving course was my next biggest thing, understanding myself, my body and my limits in a safe environment was the best. Cool. Who'd you do your free diving course with? What was the company name? I know the guy, his name was Lex. Shout oh, out Lex. Captain Lex. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 They, uh, they call him big sexy. The stricken has a good mates with him. Yeah. 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 He's yeah, a policeman. So- He's a policeman up that way now, I believe. Oh, true. There you go. He's still teaching freediving though. Yeah, yeah. I've got to get yeah. him on the show at some stage. He's a bit of a legend. Yeah. Well, I did it with like As was in there as well, but yeah, cool. As had just, was he just completed his kayaking trip? He mm-hmm. was really thin and like he was pretty, not thin. He was lean, I should say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wanted to challenge myself because everyone that I go diving with is usually a lot larger than I am. So I wanted to make sure that I could, rescue someone effectively so Lex did not go easy on me so good. yeah that was good <laughs> yeah, that is good work. like sometimes like um I don't know it's like you, you actually want a challenge and you want to see what you're capable of so what did you get out of it what, what were your takeaways and uh, what did you sort of ha- have to overcome um I learned that I don't like diving in fresh water for one um we'll probably not do it again um but in what I learned a lot I learned that I can trust myself in my ability to be able to help someone if they need it yep. and I also learned obviously my limits and everything to like my breath hold and relax relaxation relaxing yeah 100 percent. It, it doing the course allowed me to shut off the little niggling things in the back going you know all of the doubts and unknowns Mm. um so that that was a really good key factor for me to be able to apply it out in the ocean and not have to worry so much so I could relax and the breathing techniques everything like that helped heaps for me because at that point I didn't really have any understanding yeah very lucky though because I can equalize naturally with out using my hands oh yeah hands free natural oh jeepers Did that piss you off, Shelby, when she could do that? He can do it too. Oh, wow. <laughs> the equalizing power couple from Mackay. You, uh, you should have seen Lex's face after me first dive on the course because I didn't say too much to him that I've been doing it for a while. Like, he was, he, look, he's a great lad. Shout out to Lex, like true gentleman. Hmm. Um, yeah, I remember coming up on that first dive and he had his very concerned look on his face following me up. And he, when we got to the top, said, did you, um, did you equalize? at all like did you push on your nose or anything the whole way down I said yeah mate yeah I was equalizing the whole way down he's like so how long you been able to do that without your hands for and then the rest of the dive course anytime he got five minutes to talk to me he was um he was blowing me up on a bit of advice and how do I do it and how, what I'm feeling when I'm doing it and um yeah he said it it, it it had been one of his goals for some time to achieve that and he said it's yeah so he was quite interested in it but mm-hmm. yeah definitely blessed with definitely blessed with that I just had um ENT surgery this year and it was I was quite worried that I was um, going to lose that ability 
<laughs> but yeah. yeah, maintained it luckily. So yeah, thank you for that. But that's bloody awesome. So I've never met. Oh, it's, um, it's funny that it's, you got. It's very. It's quite rare. It seems to me, and, and some people can like I can do it a bit, but I I tend to just equalize still manually. But it's almost like I can do it a little bit, but the muscle's not strong enough to allow me to really sort of go hard. Like I'm probably equalizing maybe twice in, in the first sort of 10, 12 meters. And then after that, or maybe once before 20 or something like that. It takes me very little effort to equalize mm-hmm. without my hand. So I'll equalize very frequently and consistently the whole, like most yeah. of the way. Yep. Um, yeah. It's, that's where I find my most comfort as well. Like if you wait until you need to equalize, it's um there, there's obviously that little slight delay, but if, and it's a little bit slight, slight bit more noise, especially if you're using your hands. Um, mm-hmm. But if you're equalizing a little bit more frequently, it's generally a little bit quieter, a little bit smoother. And yeah, mm-hmm. I just find that it's a, um, a lot less energy. Yeah. There is very low impact. 100%, on your job. 100%, yeah, 100%. A lot of guys like, you know, every course I have guys that are just leaning back, they want to see where they're going and they don't even realize it's pulling them out of streamline you know, like um, constricting their eustachian tubes and making them have to equalize a lot more forcefully. And then as soon as just you just they pull their head back and then they go, oh, this has never been easier, you know. And, um, you know, that early and often is massive. It's, it's hard to teach sometimes though. And you're like I've started like tapping guys on the head, like, you know, bring your chin and tuck your chin in and I'll do it to them on the way down. And I, I kind of ask for permission to do it before and I let them know that, hey, this is what I'm going to do if you're – head if you're craning up and it's funny the things you sort of notice and that can be a pretty common one um okay so caitlin i kind of got some of the struggles you dealt with um but not equalizing um what about you shelby what was something you struggled with or had to work on oh i suppose back when i first started um like mckay what did we have here like we we just having that knowledge base was a hard one. Like it's really good that we got folks like you out there with the podcast. Um, it's starting to really bring that community back together. So what, uh, way back in the day here in Mackay, there was, um, there really wasn't that local shop you could go to or um, anything, anything like that. Like there was um, the spearfish and mag was tied up pretty, pretty heavily here in Mackay and the Norcat and things like that. Like there were plenty of lads around, but um yeah, there was still a lot of there was still a lot of info that you could only get um, verbally from people. Like whereas now you can you know you can jump on your uh, jump on your internet and have a look around at your different sites. You can listen to podcasts while you're driving your car to work. You can get all that. So that was definitely something I struggled with back in the day. Like just how to rig things up. Like a lot of trial and error. Um, yeah, breaking a bit of gear here and there, and just just working it out as you go. Um, I look, I had it pretty easy. I got to admit. Um, a few of my mates uh, said, like, you know, one of them, we used to get to go out on his dad's boat. It was quite a nice six metre. Um, get to go dive the nice places. And then another one of my mates used to go with quite often. His father was a professional fisherman for many years, so he knew all the spots. Um, Wade didn't always share these spots with me, but um, <laughs> Carmen oh, used to dropping. look after me. Carmen used to look after me. I, <laughs> yeah, the, the day that Wade shot off down to the barra, like where the barra normally sit in this weed weed bed, and I was just taking my sweet old time, sort of just, you know, cruising around the point, and I ended up shooting two or three before I got to Wade. <laughs> he was spewing. But anyway, <laughs> uh, look, as I said, look, just that knowledge base, um, knowledge base and just sort of, yeah, learning to walk more or less. Um, 
yeah, with the sport. As I said, it was just trial and error because that's all we had back then. But yeah, now we're lucky. We're starting to get, um, you know, I can get your 99 tips to get better at spearing. You know, you can obviously get your book to then work out what you want to do with your catch and how to prepare it and how to look after it. You know, like you're not you're not spoiling fish and not spoiling um, all your opportunity. Well, well, like Caitlin sort of said before too, like, you know, like some sparrows kind of, you know, the the desire to keep hunting turns off when they've got enough to have a good feed. Um, but other people's doesn't. But sometimes I almost feel like as sparrows, because we have an overabundance of access to the resource, we kind of, we're happy to just t- chase our target species, knock the fillets off and throw the rest of the way. And I, I kind of feel like we're almost doing a disservice to the fish sometimes and to ourselves as well, because like, as you guys know, like the wings are amazing. The, the crispy skin coral trout's got to be one of the best dishes out there. Um, what are some like seafood dishes that you guys love to prepare at home when you, when you have a, maybe a bit of time or a romantic night in? Oh, well, in that case, I'm going to step in because I'm the one that actually cooks it. So yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm vanilla fish and chips at the beach or just just fish and chips. Hey? Like I'm as vanilla as they come, Shrek. Oh, I reckon that goes good too. There's a time and a place for it. Like I, I like it as well. So For our um, date night at home and stuff, I'll do like a nice eye fillet steak and then I'll do like a creamy, mm. creamy cray topper. And, oh, um, yum. Red of reef and beef. Oh, it's so good. Yeah. So, so good. How do you do that? From start to finish or? Yeah, yeah. The, lo- the, lo- the, lo- the lobster in particular, um, like I can cook a decent steak, but um, I've never probably put a cray towel on top. So the cray, I, depending as to the cray you get. So the crays up here, if they're, you explain this part. You see your ornates better. and your painted. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but basically, we just we grab the tail out of them. Um, if they're getting a new shell, it changes. Yeah. yeah. So what I find with crays is if they've got a really hard shell on it, when you're processing it, they've got this like um, this sort of outer skin on the meat once you're processing yep. the tail. And if you have a look what that is, that's actually the new shell starting to develop under the old shell. So if it's got a really hard shell on it, you need to be careful how you process it just to make sure you remove that layer because it can come. Uh, become somewhat chewy or tough if you cook it with the meat but if you get a cray that's recently shed its tail and it's a very soft cray you'll notice that it's not there and it's just pure soft meat so we generally process the meat in the tail um put it into strips or cubes cubes and then it naturally wants to form into cubes Mm. yeah Yep. And then, yeah, we just start going down the road. A Caitlin's secret um, <laughs> garlic uh, butter recipe? or No secret. It's just butter, garlic. Um, I use lactose-free cream. That's just personal preference. Um, some Italian herb spices, a little bit of um, little bit of curry powder and a little bit of parmesan. Okay. Are you doing that from raw or are you parboiling the tail before you cube it up or...? Um, no, I put the cray in the pan first and put that with the butter and garlic. Yeah. So from raw, and then I add the cream and stuff as it's coming to the point where it's near cooked. Yeah, near cooked. Yeah, because it doesn't need much. No, no, no. That's the other mistake I think people make with lobsters that over overcook the hell out of them and then they taste yeah. like crap as well. Uh, yeah, I actually had some lobster in Canada and they definitely overcooked it. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, like, I think there's just a lot of, like, you know, myths about, like, um, 
seafood being really dangerous if you don't cook it to the point of death. Like, yes. um, and it's unfortunate because yeah, a lot of it just yeah. it loses all its texture and the subtle flavors seem to just disappear. And the sort of it's just it's, it's a different animal to eat. It, yeah. yeah, some seafood I find if you overcook it, it turns leathery and really chewy. Whereas if you cook it to its its requirement, it's perfect. Like it's tender and juicy well, and flavorful. comes down to us. Like the way we process yeah. fish is, um, we'll like just say you got a you know a decent tusky fillet off of you know seven eight kilo tusky or whatever. Um, we'll generally split it down the middle once we debone it, and then we'll lay the knife knife over and sort of take um, slithers on a diagonal like back towards the front of the fillet. So you end up with um, you end up with more or less slithers of fish that are still um, you know anywhere from uh, 10 to 20 mil thick, and, you know, they might be 75, 75 <laughs> or 100 mil by 50 mil wide. Yeah. So you end up with a piece of fish either way. It's, you know, 10 to 20 mil thick. It, it cooks quite evenly and it cooks quite well. Just if you're, just, if you're pan frying it or whatever you're doing with it, um, you're not trying to cook this big, thick piece of um, like trout or tusky or something like that where you're getting this sort of hard overcooked outside but sort of a little bit too soft. Yeah, under- yeah. Yeah, like that, I think that's a real easy way to spoil fish as well. So it comes down to your preparation, even of like before you even get to the kitchen. Yeah, yeah. A lot of people think it's all in the kitchen. It's like, yeah, I, I'm hearing what you're saying. And it, like yeah. with a with whole fish too, that can be something that can be quite difficult too, because you can, you know, you, you, it's raw in the middle and it's, it's but it's really well cooked on the outside. It's like there's there is some there's some stuff going on about temperature management and time and. Or you can cut things up a bit finer, like you're saying, and then you, you've got um, you've got a more controlled medium, I guess, for applying heat to. So you're not going to do those sorts of things. I like it. That's cool. Sounds you know like how they butterfly? They butterfly um, smaller chicken. fish. Yeah. Same concept when you do a fish. You can try that. Like the head's still going to be there, but if you butterfly it in a way, then it's going to cook a little bit more evenly. Mm. Do you use it. fish bone tweezers to pull them all out? Suck off the bone. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's all right. We didn't go there, Caitlin. Well, I think I think if returning to it, I think the bones and fish are underutilized too, like for stock and also for eating. Like that's what one of the beauties of doing like a whole baked fish in the oven is you still get all the gelatin and everything from from the bones into the meat. So that's really cool. That's actually starting to come to a little bit more light now too is the fact that, you know, there is so much nutrition left in the bones and everything. So I'm actually starting to see that a lot more through social media and stuff that they're driving that pretty hard. There's some really talented Spiros and they love cooking and and like um, Yanni Barthelmess who's in the book, he's got, I can't remember what his um, Instagram handle is. I think it might be Catch, Grow, Cook or something like that. Guys like him, um, uh, Jai Gibbons, who's the Spiro chef on Instagram, guys like this are really showing how they do things and it's it's giving people a lot more ideas of for, for how to do their own, so it's cool. Yeah, no, it definitely is. Here we go for blowing that segment out of the water on you. <laughs> <laughs> love it, love it. I love, I love the, the double entendre as well. It's excellent. Um Guys, you, your shop has got some pretty cool reviews. I'm going to read out a couple here. Um, who's this? It doesn't have a name. It's a name redacted. It says, I was traveling through Mackay and came across Neptune, called into shop to grab 
a couple of new masters snorkels for my wife and self-heading to Whit Sundays. The lady in there was super friendly and helpful. She also re-rubbered my spear gun, teaching me how to do it for next time. Thanks heaps. Someone else says, went in with no idea and came out kitted and feeling confident about my first dive. Caitlin is hilarious and super knowledgeable about anything spear. They really went above and beyond to fit my brother and I out. Stoked. Uh, stoked on spearfishing. That's the, the rave customer reviews. That, that's the sort of stuff you want to see on Google, guys. Well done, first of all. Um, tell me about Neptune Spear and Dive. Where does the name come from? And obviously you said you named your vessel that way as well. It was actually the vessel that named the shop. So. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Okay. I was just sort of one of, I don't know, I was just, yeah. We're a little bit geeky in like Greek mythology and all that sort of stuff. So like it was pretty cool that the boat's name was Neptune and then obviously to roll that through to Neptune Spear and Dive. It's pretty straightforward there, but, um, yeah, we're a bit nerdy when it comes to a few little particulars. Yeah. Does the ATO listen to this podcast at all? Because that depends on sort of... <laughs> There'll be no auditing. There'll be no auditing. It's a, it's a company vessel, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. No, that's sort of... Oh. Yeah, I always thought, you know, King of the Sea sort of thing. I wasn't going to call it Poseidon because when I was a kid, I always remembered there was that movie with a boat called Poseidon and it didn't end too well for that one. So um, <laughs> I wanted to, yeah, keep away from that. But, yeah, just sort of the boat was always called Neptune and, um, yeah, just sort of stayed with stayed with that when it when it came to it. And it, it's its own, little, its own little thing more or less in, in the region. Like if you say Neptune, it's, you know, you know who we are. Um, it's not a boat called, you know, freaking... Um, you know, all the puns, like the nautical. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Fishos love puns with their boat names, don't they? It's <laughs> like, you, we could do a whole show on boat names, I reckon, with it. We were talking about double entendre and puns before. Jeepers, there's some shockers. Uh, there's going to be yeah. a, lot of, a lot of beeping in this if we go into that segment. <laughs> yeah, actually, I think I might do an episode. That, that'll be a fun That'll be a fun one to do. Ocean Guardian is the world's leading shark deterrent technology and the great news is they're now partners with the Noobstro podcast. You can save 10% on the Freedom 7 or Scuba 7 when you shop at Ocean Guardian. Uh, use the code Noobspero at checkout to save 10%. If you want to go there, easy, super easy, go to noobspero.com forward slash OG. Short for Ocean Guardian. Pretty original, eh? Pump in the code Noobspero and you'll save 10% on your Shark Shield device. Get into it, get amongst it. Ocean Guardian are doing awesome things for Spiro. Are you in the market for a new spear gun? Killshot Spear Guns has got blue water wahoo tuna guns, open track spear guns, enclosed track spear guns, rear handle enclosed tracks. Check them out at killshotspearguns.com. Even better, I've got some good news for you. You can save $30 on any Killshot Spear Gun at killshotspearguns.com. Use the code NOOB. If you're in store, just say, crikey, mate, or say Shrek from the Noob Spiro sent you and you'll save $30. Ed Martin at killshotspearguns.com. Check them out. Equalizing problems can be something that derail you. Not today, my friend. Go to freedivingfamily.com. Check out the, either the Friends or an Advanced Friends or video or the Mouthful and Deep Friends or Equalization course at freedivingfamily.com. You can use the code SPIRO to get 20% off any course at freedivingfamily.com. These courses are put together by Adam Stern and a select team of, of, of legends and to help you overcome different issues and help you perform better. And some of them are extremely relevant for freedive spearing. Check it out at freedivingfamily.com. Use the code SPIRO to get 20% off any course. 
to bring it back to something infinitely practical, I'd love to hear um, maybe some scary stories from you guys and um, maybe near misses or, or, or serious stuff that's happened while you've been out spearfishing and kind of what you learned from it. I've been pretty fortunate there. I haven't had too many issues or hiccups in most varieties. Like when I first got started, I had, I think, the same sort of hiccups that everyone probably has when they first get started. I, you know, used to get tangled in my float line and stuff like that. That used to scare the shit out of me because I had no idea. Um, you can go, but, it can go south pretty, pretty bad too. Like if you've shot a Spanish and you're, you're in your float line and yeah. learning how to manage it and swim up when you've shot a fish is that these are huge things, but everyone kind of has to learn the same sort of thing, I think. So I'm hearing you. Yeah. Under a watchful eye. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yes, watchful eye. Yeah. Um, but the other thing, <laughs> like, he saw <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Oh, no. Um, which is probably my next one is um, we were out at a reef and in I think we were in a lagoon and I seen this big, like Shelby was ahead of me and he had a shark shield on and I thought it was turned on. Don't know whether it went flat or he didn't have it on, whatever. <laughs> this massive bull shark swam between him and I and I nearly cacked my dax. I think I still got half my wet soup up my bum, but <laughs> um, it had massive remoras and everything under it. I went, holy shit. So I went up to Shelby and I was like, um, big shark just went in between you and I. And he goes, oh, yeah, whatever. And I'm like, no, it was like huge. And he goes, how big? And I'm like, well, I didn't probably shadow the boat. And he's like, oh, pfft, thinking I'm just being dramatic. So we keep going. And I'm like, all right, well, clearly it's nothing to worry about. So I kept going, shot a few fish, got a few fish in the boat. And then I was like, fuck, that's a nice tusky. So I was like breathing up and getting keen. And then next minute I got the boat on top of me. I'm getting the fucking boat. Like, <laughs> tusky. And they're like, get in the fucking boat <laughs> grabbing me by the collar and I was like what the hell's the go and then the boys were like big fucking shark very pissed off and I'm like right yeah I might have had a hand in the um the alteration to the particular animal's uh mood <laughs> Give them a poke. between um between when Caitlin had first told me of it and that um yeah look yeah, so it look, turned I'm, out I'm it was have, a big fucking shark. I might, I might have fairly upset it. So, um, yeah, we made Aiden grab the boat while I was sort of dealing with that. And, um, yeah, we were sort of – we drove over to Caitlin. We are just backing up to, like, pretty safe in this lagoon where we're at, up on Square Reef there. <clears throat> and, um, you know, it's a very – it's a well-known spot. It, it's been there for a long time. Um, yeah, one of these particular animals sort of, yeah, as I said, upset it and um, – Made Aiden grab the boat and I was uh, standing on the pot as he backed up to Caitlin and I asked her nice, a nice twice to get on the back to, oh, jump in the boat, no, we'll just change spots. And she's like, no, nah, no, nah, I'm about to shoot this tusky. And um, that particular animal just loved the tusky. So I knew what was going to happen if yeah. she pulled the trigger. I didn't ask a third time. I was grabbing her by, I think, her, her weight vest and it was like a toddler kicking and screaming. And <laughs> There's one thing you should know, Shrek, is don't get between me and a tusky. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. I only really turn the shark shield on if we're out in somewhere, you know, pretty wild or if I'm seeing an animal. Like a lot of times I just I had it off and whatnot. Like uh, it's just one of the things I had for a very long time. Um, I've, chat I've chatted with a few people now that have had and I've kind of experienced it myself, although – maybe a little bit less dramatically than I've heard, hard charges from bull sharks while you're on the bottom um, and, like, intentional charges, like they're coming in. 
Um, have you guys experienced that as well? The closest thing that I've had has been not on the bottom. Like the only thing that I've encountered is I've done a reef edge dive. I've come to the surface and I've had a bull shark come try to suss me out, I suppose, but I had a shark band on and I don't know, it must have worked really well because before I even knew it was there, it was gone. So, yeah. They, um, it, I think it's a bit of a common myth as well, just to touch base on. A lot of people think it's the big shark that you got to watch out for, whereas <clears throat> a lot of the bigger sharks, they're, they're more mature and they know that an injury to themselves is practically a death sentence. Like mm-hmm. they, they can't go to the doctor or whatnot. So nine times out of ten, your bigger, your bigger animals out there are just awesome to see for the fact they've got They've got a whole ecosystem hanging off them with the remoras and the little yellow fish that sit behind them. And um, they're normally just a big puppy dog that cruises in, has a look, and it's all happy days. Um, I generally find that shark that's it, it's, it's old enough and big enough to get itself into trouble, but still young enough that it's not mature. Um, and it hasn't sort of worked out the way of the world yet. They're, you know, they come in with a bit of a bad attitude and... Um, generally a bit more tension up and zipping around. They're the ones I'm more or less watching. But as for hard charges on the bottom, um, look, when we see the animals, we, we try and respect them still. Like, we don't want trouble. Um, I have we, more we dive, with reefies than yeah. I do bull sharks. Yeah. We, we try and dive quite smart with them. Like, um, if they're around and we're shooting good tuskies, like, a lot of the time we'll... We won't. We just won't pull the trigger unless we can definitely put a, gr- a great shot on that fish and um, more or less have a stone shot so that we're not starting to aggravate um you know aggravate the situation um probably a product plug here but the wetty float boats are a freaking godsend up here too to get your fish out of the water and not run hours up on your boat like it's amazing oh so you guys are anchoring up a lot and then running a float boat generally try and leave one in the boat for safety reasons at all time uh times otherwise if if there's if we're ever all out of the boat um it's we'll usually a be, lagoon if we're out of, like if we're all out of the boat, it's usually a lagoon where yeah. it's or not a, got major currents. Yeah. Stuff. Or an exposed hard edge where it's a very yeah. controlled situation. Like you're not going to have people, you know, like obviously at an island or a reef. Um, as I said, so you can more or less control it and you'll be uh, more or less leapfrogging each other where you'll have mm-hmm. two pairs of two or you'll have a, um, a group of three and then two where you'll drop your three in the water, you'll drive downstream from them for a little ways, depending on how fast the current's going. Normally it's pretty, like, you know, not anything over the top. Um, and then we'll anchor the boat in quite shallow water and we'll jump out and just spear immediately around the boat. Um, as that group sort of gets to within 20, 30 metres of the boat and they're sort of starting to wind up from their dive and prep their float lines and all whatnot, like we got a bit of communication, like the thumbs up, yep, all's good. And we'll start our swim off the boat at that point and we'll start swimming, you know, a couple of hundred metres while they get in the boat, they process their fish. Um, like at that point, they've got control of the boat. They're within the anchor rope, like they're in that immediate radius of the boat. So they're jumping in. We're taking off, heading down the side of whatever structure. Like that. That's cool. And, um, yeah, by the time they're finished getting their stuff ready, they've had a drink of water and whatnot, they'll move the boat down, drop past us, thumbs up, we're still good. They'll keep going past us for some way, anchor the boat up. They'll spear immediately around the boat. And as we get down to that anchor rope again, same thing, like we just keep handing over. So if we want everyone out of the boat on the day and no one wants to miss out, that's a good way we do it. Um, as I said, you definitely got to play it to the conditions. Um, you really do want that controlled environment. You don't want any run. Um, 
Very more or less situation. Want, yeah, an exposed edge or an island or something like that so that the water has no choice but to follow that particular edge. You can't get anything silly like water start pouring over the top of a reef or things like that. Sorry, I, I do get random <laughs> She's been drinking. <laughs> That's all good. That's the best way to do a podcast. I had a side of myself, so I can, I can relate. Um, Shelby, what about you, mate? Have you had some stuff that scared the crap out of you, and did you learn stuff from it? Well, where do I start? Um, <laughs> look, I get myself in a bit of trouble from time to time. Um, He's done some stupid shit in his years, Shrek. <laughs> I, had a groper, I had a groper tried to eat me last year. That sort of was a bit of an unsettling moment. But, um, Queensland groper? It, yeah, it all worked out for both parties. And the funny thing was it was on the coast in shallow waters and um, it was only because of my shark shield that I think I didn't get a bit of a, a bit of a churn up because um, it come up behind me and it's given it an absolute wallop and it's um, when you get big cod charge or like groper charge you out of a wreck or something like that, they put like when they put the brakes on, all you hear is this big like boom in the water. And, um, yeah, I've turned around and that's pretty much what's happened when it's got a boot off the shark shield. And then from then on, it's tried to sort of bring itself around the front of me and line me up. And I was just cruising around on the shallows with me, mate, with this little 55 invert from Hunt Master out of the tinny. And, um, yeah, look, I was definitely outgunned and <laughs> outnumbered with this thing, but it all worked out well for both of us in the end. But um, give, oh. me a, give me a shark any day, hey. I will take a shark over a grouper. I'm no... Yeah. I would rather lose a limb than I would be swallowed and then spat back out dead. No all, I can say, yeah. <laughs> all I can say to them is, um, you know, just don't go head on to them because they like eating things head on. Just try and keep yourself side on. and um, They're just another animal. There's no need to kill them or do anything to them. All you need to do is just leave them. If they're territorial about their area, it's probably for a reason. Leave them be. Just move on. Um, if you are seeing groper, you're probably in about the right spots, maybe just not the right day if he's not happy about you being there. Um, otherwise getting caught in heavy current was a good one. Um, yeah, geez, when I was a, when I was a kid, I remember doing a spear fishing competition and the boat that I got put on, it was quite heavy current and I was towing a ball of fish back to the boat. Um, I was only in my teens and I was, I was pretty knocked up and tired and I was probably only 50 odd meters from the boat and the other, the other guys had sort of stronger swimmers bet me back to the boat and then they moved the thing about another 200 metres up current and I just got a quick life. Eh? It was <laughs> it was fun. So um, that positive communication, which comes back to how we do things nowadays as well, is making sure everyone's of the firm understanding of exactly what's happening in that particular dive in that moment and who's in charge of what and what's going on. So there's, um, there's never any whoopsie moments more or less and just looking out for each other. Um, yeah, I've had it all really. I've... Um, I had a syncopal episode myself. Um, back in the day, I had a had an issue with my um, the rhythm of my heart while I was down over 20 metres and um, that didn't end out too well for me. My dive buddy pulled me out and I was a little bit crooked there for a while. But um, So what, you, you had like arrhythmia or something? Yeah, so it's, um, don't quote me here, but I think it's called tight... Um, I'm not even going to quote it because I'm going to get it wrong on you, Shrek. Uh, Q2, I think that refers to the exact rhythm it's talking about there anyway, but I know I'll make a cardiogram. I can circle it on it. It's this little weird thing that after you get the few the few bumps, it's got this little bottom out and, yeah, it's um, it's quite rare. But as I said, look, that day I was diving with a dive buddy, pretty lucky. Um, yeah, so definitely a big advocate for not diving alone. You know, have a float rope, 
make sure you know what each other are doing, one up, one down, stay with your mate because the last thing you want to do is be looking their, you know, looking their family in the eye saying, yeah, I was too busy over there doing my own thing not, instead of watching out for me, mate. You know, like, mm-hmm. Definitely try and push that safety aspect of diving. That heart issue, uh, 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 your safety points are all good, by the way, and uh, 100% uh, I agree with you. With the heart arrhythmia, I want to touch a bit more on that because I have heard about it happening to a few other people as well. Um, some people, like this guy was almost emphatic that everyone should carry a defib. Um, I don't believe defibs work too well in a marine environment because you've got to dry someone off before you can adhere the uh, patches. But a defib work, works by essentially restarting your heart into the correct rhythm. Is that what they ended up having to do with you? Um. He was lucky that there was actually someone who was very well educated and adverse with CPR. No, not quite that. Oh, let's well, not get out of hand here. It um, was very, he was very switched on with all of that. No, nah, the bloke jumped outside of the boat landed on is probably the, the main <laughs> reason he landed in the right spot. Hey, but um, look, yeah, touching on your defibs, it's definitely a got to have the, the floor of the boat dry and all whatnot. Yeah. You're right. Um, it's like a yeah. perfect world scenario. And, and, you know, I've heard of maybe one or two situations where that could possibly, well, it definitely would have been, you know, great to have. But two out of, you know, millions and millions of dives, I'd imagine, it's like it's one of those things. What did, what did you guys end up doing and what what happened after um, you, you sort of realised that this was going on? So when I first realised something was up, on my way out for a dive, like I was quite fit at the time and I had a very low resting heart rate from being so fit, like I used to, um, after working as a, a fitter on the railways, I used to um, run a, run the beach that I lived at every day without fail and then do, you know, a bit of gym work and whatnot. So I had a quite a low rest and heart rate and I was quite fit. Um, <clears throat> that that in turn with my diving just went hand in hand. Like I could dive quite well. Everything was going really well for me. Um, I just remember on a particular dive up, there was this, a tiny little change in the current. And when I sort of hit that current, I already was feeling a little bit off. And when I hit that little bit of current, I just felt like I hit a brick wall and I thought something's up. Um, basically pulled the tag on the end of my, um, on the end of my weight belt at this point, And I've just pulled it over and held it sort of behind my back in my hand, um, which has obviously disengaged the pin. And on my way up, I got most of the way to the top and that's where I've gone bang, passed out. Um, with that, dumped my weight belt. My dive buddy was already onto it, watching what was going on with that. Um, and they got me out of the water and got me onto the boat, um, got me back into the hospital and now having a look at what the bloody hell was going on. So, um, yeah, type two Q, uh, Q2, um, single episode or something or other. Yeah, don't quote me on it. But no, You're right. I think the medical technical language is less important than kind of the course of events. I want to touch on something really clever that you did there, which was to um, disengage your weight belt and hold it in your hand. Um, can you just give people a bit of a, an idea as to why you did that and how you managed to do that in such a – because a lot of people think they know, oh, yeah, yeah, cool, intellectually they think, sweet, I'm going to do that. But a lot of us, the reality of it is people forget to do these things, particularly in those clutch moments. So walk us through why you did what you did. Um. I'm starting to try to tell people this so it becomes um, more or less that. Muscle uh, memory. Yes. Your weight belt is very, very easily replaceable. Um, Any quality weight belt. 
if you grab the tag of that weight belt and give it a good pull, that pin should disengage or that um, over center cam should disengage and that thing should fall off you without catching itself or re-engaging. It should fall completely gone. Now, if you're ever coming up from a dive, if you've pushed a bad position or you've had your second wind down there because you've had a PB or something special come through, like it's happened to the best of us. Um, if you're on your way up and you're unsure, pull the end of your pull the end of your weight belt and just gently hold it around. Sort of, I find around the back of my hip works really good. I keep a really good um, a really good profile in the water on my ascent while I can maintain a really good rhythm and it's not using a great deal of muscle. But if anything goes wrong, you let it go. Like if anything goes wrong and even if you pass out and you've, you've lost control, it'll just fall off you and you're already ascending. You've got momentum towards the surface. Your uh, surface, your weight belt is gone. Your suit's going to start helping to carry you. All these sort of things come into play and you're, you're sort of more or less still popping to the top like a little cork. Mm. Uh, I'm trying to drum that into people and especially kids coming through the shop now like, you know, you don't have to wrap your weight, like the big tag on the end of your weight, but you don't have to wrap it around and around and around and around 10 times so you can't get the thing off if you need to. Yeah. Uh, and also drum it into people that it's just a weight belt. It's not expensive. It's not the end of the world if you got to, if you ditch it and make a mistake. Like if you make a mistake and lose it and you're in deep water, oh, well. Like realistically, if you have um, if you have an episode like that where you, you've really pushed a bad position and you run shore and you come up and you're near Samba or you do have a tiny little Samba and you still drop your weight belt, you think, oh, shit, I could have saved that. Reality is you shouldn't get back in the water for that day anyhow. You're done for the day. You've had an episode, you're done. Do not get back in. So you can replace your weight belt and you're good to go next trip. But it, it's just one of them things that if you're unsure, that there's, there's no damage to your pride or anything just by grabbing that tag and just holding it gently over. Until you get up, you get your recovery breast in and your buddy's going, you're right, mate. Yep, all good. All right, after a minute or so, I re-engage that pin, tidy myself up and get going again. Um, don't just hit the surface and pop that pin back in and think it's all sunshine and rainbows as well. There you have it, guys. A massive lesson from Shelby there. Um, if you're ever on the edge, uh, on your way up, you're going to pull that tag, you're going to hold it out. and That way, if you do lose consciousness, you're going to let that thing go and you're going to go rocketing to the surface where your mates can um, get you up and get you breathing again and look after you. Love it, mate. That's a fantastic takeaway. And um, I haven't rehashed that on the potty for a little while. So it's great to sort of touch base with that. And um, it's, I think it's a really clever strategy. And I'm stoked that you guys are drumming that into your customers and in the, in the, in your community. Like That's really cool. Yeah. It's a very simple safety feature that um, everyone should know more or less, Shrek. But, yeah, thank you very much, mate. I'll do, a, I'll do a product plug there. There are um, really bright silicons that if you do drop your weight belt, you can actually still find. I had a customer the other day come in and they had that where they dropped their weight belt and they came back and they ended up finding it pretty quickly. So, yeah. Hunt master silicon weight belts. <laughs> Definitely give a good plug. <laughs> awesome. Cool. All right, let's get into some species to hunt, guys. So, um, Caitlin, we might go with you. Um, I, I know you were talking about hunting tuskies before. Sounds like it's a fish that you love to hunt. I'd love to you to walk us through um, how you like to go about hunting them and targeting them. Well, I'm pretty lucky. I'm um, quite arsy. I don't swim too far from the boat, and they seem to be pretty close to the back of the boat or near the anchor. Um, it sounds like someone's putting you onto some good ground here for a start off. Um, I think I'm a little bit arsy to be honest because like even if we're not near the boat if I'm swimming around a bommie or something 
these boys will just be like straight in front or whatever and I'm sort of just dawdling in the back or there's always something about that anchor chain or the back corner of the yeah. boat and a lot of the times we'll get big like black spot tusk fish they'll just sit there off the back corner of the boat and just sit there and look at it in the weed on the coast they do it all the time or at the reef you know like you quite often see them just milling around the back of the boat or around that bit of anchor chain it's making the tiny little bit of noise or disturbing a bit of bottom i don't know what it is but they're a sucker for it well they're like that too like you hear them cracking sometimes they're breaking stuff open and uh, that's how they kind of feed so i guess they're thinking like oh there's a good feed going on over here or something yeah Mm. Probably seeing it as an easy feed too. Like if you're stirring up that much stuff, maybe there's a shell under the surface that they didn't couldn't get to before or something. No. So, Caitlin, uh, K- are you typically hunting them from the surface or are you getting opportunities on the bottom? Oh, definitely getting opportunities on the bottom as well. Like I love, I don't know, I just love getting down on the bottom where you've got that tranquility of not hearing phones ring or people talking. You've just got the pops and crackle of the ocean and then peer your head over or around a corner of a bommy and then next minute you got this big blue chin just facing you. Yeah, I love that. That just yeah, peaks yeah. my heart rate. Like <laughs> tomorrow I'm like, oh, yay. <laughs> like a big dinner plate, aren't they? So, oh, so nice. They are beautiful fish, but they are beautiful eating as well and that's their downfall <laughs> is that they are going to come home. If they're – I don't take anything huge and I don't take anything small. Like I like that mid-range fish where you're still getting – a good feed, but you're not undertaking or overtaking, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. Just, just a little eight kilo, nothing, nothing to worry about there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're blessed here. We've got a good stretch of coastline that just harbors brilliant tuskies. So, yeah, black spot tusk for sure. I do also love hunting craze because you just get to explore a lot more that, you know, a lot of spiros, they tend to overlook they, you know, a lot of spirits that I talk to, they're like, oh, fish, 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 where I'm like, I love looking at the little reef fish that, you know, they're just sitting there playing in their little schools and, um, you know, just in and out of the bommies. I love like, even spending time just on top of a bommie watching that is just yeah. to me, peaceful and just little memories like that is what sits in place through my head if I get five minutes in the shop and stuff. So you can learn, yeah. a, you can learn a lot about. A, a very small microcosm like you know like a really small ecosystem just by looking at it for five minutes and you can see how like four or five different species of the interplay and how they work the structure and you know just it is funny to observe it's a different world like and it's <laughs> and they don't seem to really care until you know you you're right down on top of them and if you've got good body language and stuff too you can kind of like they know or, or they seem to know that they're not on our target species list so Oh, yeah. Oh, fish definitely know when you don't have a spear gun. <laughs> they definitely know. That all comes as part of learning the hunt too. Yeah. Learn how to manipulate the fish to get them to do what you want them to do. Yeah. And that's something I try and tell everyone that comes in here or comes on the boat and something that Caitlin's picked up as well as the fact that, as I said before, look, Spanish, if they've come past you and already satisfied their curiosity and they've come past you on the reef edge or side of the island or something like that, they're going to keep going and you probably won't see them again. If, you know, you just turn and dive in the direction that they just swam from. Generally, their curiosity, they're going to think they've missed something straight back in front of you and they generally pull up straight in front of you into your spear gun. Um, the same with tuskies. I, I find diving from the top <clears throat> rather than meeting tuskies on the bottom for better odds of success, especially diving on their sort of... Um, back corner of their head um not having the gun extended from the minute you dive 
kick down and then as you're sort of getting close to range or you're already gliding just start using your toes to steer yourself around so you're not you're only just gliding and just steering in the water very gently and um you generally see the eye of the tusky roll back and sort of once it fixates on you they'll just pause for a second and turn their head and by that point you should have been very like slowly and gently extending the gun out to where he's going to be and generally place a very good holding shot from um you know the top top backside of his head down through the out the cheek or something like that you know a great holding shot a lot of times just disables the fish um and that just comes from getting to do what you want them to do and you know the same thing with you know just simple species like trout um finger mark not russian spots all that sort of thing too so Mm -mm. you unicorn a lot of the trout Oh, I hate it because then you, when you fill it and the backbone's just yeah, shattered. I know. Just a mess. I know. Nah. And it's just like, and you're always like just undoing your shooting line to pull the shaft all the way through because it's just such a pain in the ass to get it back through all that bone. And, um, ah, fillet shots is where it's at. What, <laughs> what's that? <laughs> nah, try and go for the head and just, yeah, hit them in that sweet spot, put them out of misery, or go straight for that backbone. To, completely disable them so it's nice and quick and yeah yeah my favorite is when you get to see those people that get two for ones yeah 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 Yeah, sometimes it's like you know when it's on too it's on and there's there's multiple species there and there's multiple opportunities like um there's this guy towels towels adventure i think he's a wa spiro is he wa I couldn't tell, but I, I am familiar with him. I've, I've watched a few of his. I watched some of his shots on Instagram, and I just that makes me froth. Like he, because he loves the slow mo too, and it's like when you, Spiro's like when they slow those moments down, they know the moments to get us all going. And um, yeah, he said he has some two for ones in there. I, I, I'm very memorable. So. That's awesome. I'll have to go suss him out. I don't think I've seen him yet. Oh, crazy. If your buddy had a blackout on your next spearfishing trip, think, what would the outcome of that be? Do you know how to revive someone from a blackout? Would you even be in a position to do something about it? Or would you be diving, chasing after a fish as your buddy sinks down to the bottom of the ocean? Do you know where most blackouts happen? Do you know what you can do to minimize your risk of having a blackout? My name is Ted Hardy, and I'm the founder of freedivingsafety.com. In my free online course, you will learn the truth about shallow water blackout, the myth of I don't push myself, I know my limits, I'm in tune with my body, how to minimize your risk of having a blackout, and most importantly, how to save your buddy's life if they have one. Visit freedivingsafety.com to sign up for your free course today. Dive safe out there. It's just not even that hard. Freediving for Spearfishers at howtofreedive.com will help you to extend your breath hold, understand your body better, and put you in a better position when you actually get to go out spearfishing. This program is not for noobs, as this program is for people who have some diving under their belts and understand some basic spearfishing safety, but it's perfect for spearos who want a guided, easy to follow and complete program with videos, a clear process, and a set goal. The five minute freediver works. Get started for free and see if it's for you at howtofreedive.com. There's a tester there. Use the code NOOBSPIRO, N-O-O-B-S-P-E-A-R-O to save some money if you do decide to purchase. Check it out at howtofreedive.com. Freediving for spearfishers, a fantastic way to prepare, especially if you've got a big trip coming up. Get to that five-minute mark, and it does translate to your diving at howtofreedive.com. Memorable fish, guys. Um, 
special fish. Love to hear about it. The day, the the opportunity, what what happened? This would be probably the one that got away, the green jobby. Oh. This haunts, this haunts me. It absolutely haunts me. So we, we're going up to um, Dingo Beach Hideaway Bay area, put in there, ran to the reefs, and we pulled up there in the morning and just spectacular day. Um, jumped in the water. We had like 40 metres viz, no particles. We were on a side of a reef edge uh, with the current running onto it. And the side of the reef edge was about, I think, four or five metres at the top and a, quite a steep shelf that went down to, I think, 23 metres. And then it plateaued out on sand with isolated broken structure for probably oh, maybe 50, 60 metres before it just went into just deep blue abyss, like about 70 metres, which is about all we get. Um, sounds this like, side. Yeah, sounds like jobby land. Well, we had I'd just... never seen a jobby in the water before, so I had no idea what I was looking at. Oh. But Shelby was like yeeting down, or well, not yeeting down, but he was heading towards this jobby to try play the game. But he'd already shot a trout, so he was taking my gun that only had a fifteen minute blow line on it. Yeah, <laughs> so I've hit, I've maxed this float line. I went, oh well, you're coming with me. It was just a little bullet float, lucky, yeah, <laughs> and I'm yeah. just towed up the mid of the bottom. Yeah. <laughs> Grabbed onto a rock and I've got this spear gun in my hand. It's got a, I think it had a seven mil shaft in it and just yeah. a single rubber on it. And I was like, no, mm-hmm. it's 7.5 twin 16s. No, single rubber. No. I'm telling you now because it- the only <laughs> shot I got on that fish, it swam in for one look at me. And the funny thing was, it wasn't looking at me. But anyhow, it swam in and it had its mouth slightly open. The only shot that I really had was to put it in its mouth and out through its cheek. And it wasn't going to disable that fish one bit. It would have had full power straight over that edge with a five-litre bullet float, and it just wouldn't have ended well. So I stayed off the trigger, hoping that I'd get something, yeah, hoping that I'd get a better opportunity. But um, He turned around and freaked out at that point because he's seen me down. She was down at 23. <laughs> she was down at 23 metres behind me, fidgeting in the side of the coral, <laughs> pulling this trout out. And I was like, oh, all right, well, we'll both go up together and just make sure everything's all right here. And um, there she popped up, absolutely A1 from the dive. And our other mates were only just a couple of minutes. I was like, oh, what's going on, fellas? I'm like, nothing. You stay over there. <laughs> <laughs> this jobby was hanging out with sharks out in the, like, in the, in the blue. And like, you could still see the definition in its scales. Like, it was incredibly large. On the edge of our viz, like, yeah. we had 40-odd metres viz. And on the edge of viz, I could still see very clear scale definition. And even when it was hanging around... Um, it was hanging around like small reefies and whatnot. Like it, it was more or less very similar size to them. If I put that on the rear combing of my 17 Hanes, it um, like they're a narrow boat as it is, but it would have been most of that rear combing. It was a monster of a fish. What are we talking? Maybe 15 kilo or something? I wouldn't want to elaborate, but I say I'd definitely be putting it on. I would have been putting it on the scales for a pendant record. Um, oh, wow. That's the one that got away. All yeah. right. Far Every out. jobby I have seen since is like small in comparison. I thought that was, I was like, oh yeah, jobby, cool. Woo. That's such a cool fish. Yeah. Like it was huge, and it hung with us for about forty odd minutes, and it yeah. just like it just, <laughs> just it just patrolled the deep. And if doesn't matter what I did for it, it just wasn't having a bar of it. Hey, like it 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 had me well and truly figured out, but. I mean, it probably seen my eyes pop out of my head when I first laid, like locked yeah, eyes with yeah. it. Probably knew, it, you know, the, the 
the, the, the gig was probably well and truly up the <laughs> second it seen my eyes, the second I looked over my shoulder. But, um, look, oh, it was a humbling experience nonetheless. And, um, yeah, I, I, look, I don't even know what would have happened if we shot that fish. Like, um, I've sort of. He would have called the day quits, cracked a beer and fucking went, boat. we're going home now. <laughs> I, but, I, I shot a seven or eight kilo one and it pulled like a kingfish. Yeah. These things are they when they want to go hard, they go hard. They're like because I don't ever shot like maybe a three kilo one or a couple of th- I've shot a, th- a few around that three kilo mark. And the first one I shot, it was like seven eight kilo, and it got annihilated by bull sharks. So I'll never know. But um, that thing, it to- it pulled me. It pulled off, it pulled all the line off my reel and went round a bommy and then laid out flat on the sand, quivering for the bull sharks to come in and eat it. But yeah. um. It sounds like that fish was a lot smaller than the one you had, so it definitely would have punished you if you had to put a shot in it. Oh, def- all, look, it was one of them things where also to learn it in your spearfishing career, if you're not confident in a shot, if, you know, if, if you're not confident it's going to pan out well, don't take it because, yeah. all right, yep, you get a shaft into the fish, yeah. but you're not going to land it. You're going to do damage or lose your gear altogether and the fish is just going to perish or be taken by sharks or yeah. something's going to go on. So take a shot that you're confident in that you're actually going to land the fish and be successful on. Um, you're better off to not rush a shot, hold off, and hopefully you get a positive result if you can get it to come back around. But either way, look, it haunts me that we – it haunts me that um, the way things went there as it would for every spear. But at the same, it was a humbling experience where we got to hang with that fish for a fair while and watch it. And I've learnt me hard lessons from shooting big fish. Um, like we've shot big finger mark in the 90s. And I'll never do it again because those particular fish were terrible eating quality. Um, and I should have just left them be and took a, a better, um, a, a better, better table fish, more or less. Um, so I've learned me, learned me lessons in shooting big fish a little bit there as well. Um, Definitely just a piece of advice for people that are starting out too. Get picky. Yep. Because 100%. if you get picky, you're not getting your small little trout or your small little something because you're just getting excited. You'll come across something bigger and you won't have your shaft out of your gun. And yeah. Just just because it's legal doesn't mean you should shoot it. Just because it's legal and you want it, like, like as you mentioned, Forshrek, the, you know, the, the, the filling of the esky mentality, um, mm. that you, you don't have to do it. Like get picky. So you, instead of coming home with a heap of just average fish, you come home with a handful of really nice fish instead. Or you're never going to grow if you're always shooting little stuff and you're unloaded. Like, you you know, you're shooting three and four kilo tuskies or even smaller. Um, And then with a bit of commotion, you get a nice eight or nine, 10 kilo, whatever, come in for a look and they go, oh, did you see that? Oh, I was too busy shooting these. And that's how it just plays out every time. Whereas if you stay loaded, you get picky and you get selective for what's like what you're actually there technically shopping for. Like you don't go to Coles and buy the wrong thing just because it's there. Like, um, Try and pick, try and pick that good table fish that you actually want. Like what you're actually there for. Don't get sidetracked and just because it's legal, take it. Or just because it's massive, take it. Like um, sometimes the um, chocolates at the counter are advertising. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Sometimes I, I hear ex- I hear exactly what you're saying, and I think I, you know Bob McComb and Sydney come up with this sort of the maturity phases of a Spiro, you know, and. Um, I, I kind of you know, I kind of sort of see where you're where you're at too. Sometimes with my students, when I'm running a course, I literally give them permission to just pull the trigger on something though, because yeah. I I tell them, hey, look, I got a smoker, 
back at the house where we're staying, we're going to eat every morsel of these fish and you're going to really enjoy it because it's your first fish you've shot. But then after that learning curve of like, okay, this is how the gun works. This is how you shoot a fish. This is how I icky it. I brain spike it. I bleed it. Cool. I get it home and I cut it up and I eat it. Sweet. Now you know what you're doing. After that, then I, I start definitely encouraging them like, Okay, we're gonna we're gonna work on a strategic approach to working your way up the sort of the the hierarchy of fish in terms of difficulty and maybe eating quality as well. But yep. um, it's a journey you go on, isn't it? Yeah, hundred percent. And sometimes you just need to get the monkey off your back. Yeah, yeah. That's why I say to my students, like a couple of them, like recently in recent courses, like they shot flute fish. You know, like you look at them and you're like, what are you? What are you? I don't know about shooting that. <laughs> but they're like, we got them back and like they're full of bones, but they smoked up really well. And, you know, like when, when you cut it open, they're, they're chasing bait fish. They're full of bait fish. And yeah. uh, so they're a predator as well. So it was pretty interesting. And, um, yeah, like, but after that, you know, we definitely, it's a definitely a good focus for a lot of Spiros that are starting to hit stride, I think, is to um, slow down and get a bit more selective too. Because, like, you're not going to shoot a coronation trout if you're just smashing everything around. Um, yeah, you know, and those those rare or more elusive fish like jobfish too. Like, and Tim McDonald talks about it on his videos with targeting snapper. If you're targeting snapper, you're not shooting anything else. You're just targeting them. Don't forget what you're there for. But mm. I think, like you're right, narrow than you say there, Shrek. There's especially the more or less having having goals um, when you're early starting out. Like, yep, yeah, you get started. You got, you know, you know how to shoot a fish and process it. <laughs> This is excellent. Um, <laughs> and then from then on, instead of just having goals of, oh, I want to go out and shoot 10 fish or, oh, I want to just go out and shoot fish, like that's a pretty boring goal. Mm. Remember what you're there for and never actually like a particular fish that interests you or something you want to improve on. Like actually have them interesting goals that's going to keep you entertained in the sport and actually get you somewhere rather than just doing the simple, I'll go out and pull the trigger as many times as you can. So, hey, Caitlin, what's a goal fish for you at the moment? What's something that you've got your target set on? Um, I'd really Pardon. like to hey. Pardon. No, um, what's the other one? Oh, passion fruit. No. No, you keep shooting all the fucking passion fruit. <laughs> Purple cod? Uh no, 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 no. It's um vermicular trout. Okay. I'd love to shoot a vermicular. They look absolutely stunning. Um and a mahi mahi. Yeah, so if you're listening, Nabs, um, we're going to have to yeah. come up to the straits. <laughs> Please and thank you. Yeah. The old um, the old dollies are pretty good when, when you're on them um, and they're exciting. Like every other first, like, yeah, you, you really enjoy them, eh? Like they, I think they're... I'd only, like, I, I, I don't know. I haven't hunted them, so I don't know, but I think I'd probably shoot one and be happy. Like it's one of those fish where I don't know how they eat either, so I don't know. Oh, but... they're excellent. Absolutely. Okay. You don't really get them here, Shrek. Um, Did get to see them, though, under a coconut in the most randomest. Of yeah, we're just going for a Valentine's Day with another mate <laughs> out the islands, and we're flying past this coconut. You know, it was a pretty good day, so, yeah, horsepower down. Anyway, flying past this coconut, and they see these, like, little six, um, yeah, like sort of bluey, greeny, like, tinges fly off from it, and I went, surely not. So I spun the boat around and went back nice and quietly and had a look, and, yeah, surely enough there was a, I think so five or six little um, little mahis that were only like, oh. only like 300 odd mil long. They were small, but just to sort of get a glimpse of them was pretty cool up here in the Whitsundays yeah, region. Sick. We did um, try to jump in with the GoPro, but then bucket off. Yeah, they weren't they weren't 
real interested. So. They're, they're voracious, eh? Like I, I think I heard something that they, they can grow like 30 centimetres a year or it might even be yeah. faster than that. Like it's I crazy. have heard of the spot out at the reef off here where throughout the year um, at certain times or certain conditions that um, the guys on the game boats do see them. Um, look, they're, they're not prolific or anything like that, but here and there, you know, get the odd fish once in a blue moon, but as for seeing divers target or land these particular species here in in the Sundays region, it's um very seldom. I'd like to travel, but um yeah, in some of the waters that I like to see, I just I don't know how I'll go. I'd have, yeah, some of the toothed animals down there are a little bit intimidating. <laughs> yeah. Do you guys very- do you guys have um, free diving instructors in your area or spearfishing instructors? I think there's a few guys trying there's, to get their certification, but not as of yet. There's um, there's Ocean Sense up in there's Airly Ocean Beach. Sense in Airlie, but in terms of being local, no. Um, it is something that we would like to be able to bring to town. Oh, sounds like I'm going to have to come up there, start running some courses oh. with some locals, and what then and then get them running it as well. And then um, I can come Good up place. there once a year for a course, and then hopefully yeah. get a couple of locals running them. Um, that'd be hundred oh, percent. Yeah. yeah Love to have you up here. We might even get some good weather and take you out in the boat or something. Yeah. Well, what about commercial operators like um, in terms of charters and stuff? Have you got much for spearing around? No, there's really not. We have a, a boat lined up that we could take people out on, but it's more of a day trip thing, not an overnight. We've got a few boats around town that are commercial. Oh, I think we've only got one at the moment, don't mm, we? QE2. Yeah, we've got the QE2, but... They're it's not, a large, it's a very large vessel yeah. as well. So it's um, it's definitely like a live aboard trip that you need a lot of people. Well, not, you know, you definitely need a good crew on it and whatnot. Um, obviously for these operators, it is very expensive in this new like climate with you know fuel and running costs and staffing and everything else. 100%. Like you got to understand that you know it's it, it's not cheap to put that boat to sea. Um, so yeah, it, but that it, is something that a lot of people that don't own a boat yeah. don't understand. That there's not yeah. there's not one particular company specialising in spearfishing or yeah, yeah. Um, spearfishing charters in the region. Like there is, um, if I win the lotto, there will be tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like you look at a commercial vessel, you know, uh, one that's in survey and appropriate for what we do. You know, you're looking at a hundred thousand dollars starting, and then you're looking at you've got to have coxswains tickets and all the rest of it. You got to maintain everything, have the appropriate levels of insurance. Then you've got fuel. Then you've got crew. Um, the yeah. costs definitely get up there very quick. So, I mean, a lot of guys when they look at the cost of doing a charter out to the Coral Sea or um, things like that, they they look at it and they hear the cost and they kind of hum and har. It's like, you know, like it's just the that is the cost. That is the yep. legit cost. And those yeah, people have to make a living too. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. this particular like this particular region sort of struggles a little bit too, and the fact that. You, you do need a large boat um, that's more or less still a speedboat. Like, you know, you, you do need something that can maintain that 30 knot sort of region in cruise there because you do have a lot of ground to cover and it's weather very weather dependent. So you can have a, bro- a boat sitting on the dock for months without spinning the props on it, um, which is, you know, a massive overhead for a business and whatnot. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, look, I wouldn't be surprised to see someone pop up and start doing it in the region. It's definitely, um, the region's definitely looking for it. Um but yeah, look, fingers crossed. There's there's plenty of good stuff out there to see. But in the same time, people aren't missing out because there's a lot of um with the you know, 
we've got a lot of good industry here around this region as well. There's a lot of people with these boats that are always looking for someone to help chip in on fuel or just fill numbers on a boat or just looking for new mates and um, that sort of thing. So there still is a, a pretty good community around where you can, you know, jump on boats and just have a good day and, um, you know, learn from others and all that sort of thing as well. Yeah, it's massive. Uh, it's almost like an apprenticeship too. And um, Caitlin, do you play matchmaker with like some of your customers and helping them to meet people with boats and... I definitely do try. Um, one of the biggest uh, wins for, for me and for the community, I think, so far has been underwater hockey. Yeah, right. Because even when the weather's bad, they go play that and then there's a heap of people that spear and whatnot through that. So they all connect that way. Cool. So if, if people are around town, they're like, oh, you know, we're, we're new to town and stuff and it's easy for me to go every Thursday night down the arc they're there, you know, like go introduce yourself. It was started yeah. by one of our good friends and he's actually, mm. yeah, he loves his spear fishing. There's a couple of um, old timers in there. Um, yeah, sorry, Mike, threw you under the bus there. <laughs> but, um, yeah, look, really, really well-known and respected spear fisherman in the area. Great knowledge, very well-spoken. Um, and it's just an awesome little community that mm. keeps you keeps you free diving up, keeps you, you know, all your skill set up, yeah. keeps your gear in use instead of sitting in the shed going bad like it's, it's, yeah, it just it fits hand in hand with spearfishing or free diving. They're very social too, which is great. Yeah. So you get to have a chat and it it's very family friendly as well. Like it's oh. yeah. Yeah, it's not just sitting around. It's actually yeah, you get to hook in with your mates and have a bit of an event and you know, there's there's something on in your week. It's not just a boring catch up where you sink a few schooners and then oh am I right to drive home or something like that. Like it's um Yeah, yeah. It's a very good environment. Everyone knows that it doesn't matter how much cardio you do, you're not really utilising your lungs. So being able to apply that use of your lungs when the weather's not so great or when you can't get out is, yeah, it's going to benefit you when you go diving. Yeah, when you have good cardio, like good CO2 tolerance too, like from underwater hockey, it seems to benefit you in other areas of your life too, like. Um, obviously it helps with like red blood cell production, which seems to be awesome for just general like day-to-day life. Yeah. So, yeah. If sure. someone puts a rag over your mouth in an alleyway, you've probably got a few minutes you can hang out. <laughs> <laughs> my, um, my chiropractor absolutely, I think it's a love-hate relationship, but he compliments me every time as to, you know, how they do, they, they tell you to take a deep breath. Yeah. And he just gets to the point where he's like, all right, that's enough. Now breathe out. Because <laughs> he's like, okay, enough's enough. But it's um something that I'm very passionate about as to how it really works your lungs because I suffered from double lung infections. Oh, wow. Right before I started spearing. And I went to specialists and doctors all over and no one really were helping. They were just antibiotics, antibiotics. And since I started diving, I haven't had a single problem. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. There's um like um I don't know if you guys are familiar with James Nestor. He wrote a book called Deep, and then he's written another book called Breathe, and I've, um yeah, really really interesting research into the benefits because he learned basically how to free dive and spearfish, and that was his first book, Deep, and he learned all about the oceans and what it does to the human body. I think it, it started a love affair for him, and then. He's got right into the respiratory health and all that sort of stuff in his next book, which is called Breathe. I've got to get him back on the show to to talk about it actually, because it is interesting what 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 freediving and spearfishing does to our body and the other sort of benefits. Guys, I'm conscious of time. I've got two more um, sort of questions I wanted to happy you with. 
Um, you both seem like you have like having a good time. Funny stuff. Um, as you're probably aware, I'm I'm quite partial to a poo story. Um, but I am happy with whatever funny tale you guys would like to share. Do you want to go first? I definitely got one that comes to mind. Um, I mentioned earlier, earlier in the interview, Shrek, that um had this mate Wade that was <laughs> he always kind of had the upper hand from his old man with the info around the place. We used to love diving together. We grew up together. And we'll dive in this place called the Three Sisters. Out off, um, out off Slade Point here in Mackay, just a shore dive. And um, great conditions. And he'd, he'd stuffed up a shot without knowing it on me. I had something lined up and Wade had shot something um, more or less very close to it without actually realising it was there and spooked it. And I was a bit dirty with him, but, you know, as you are as young fellas. And um, he was giving me a bit of grief about it, just as you do, tongue in cheek. And... Um, it wasn't too long after that. I noticed Wade was lining up something down the bottom. So I took the, uh, yeah, I took the opportunity and just sort of more or less swam down pretty fast at his, uh, like towards his his head from his blind side. And he was just sort of about to pull the trigger, I reckon, on that gun when I just reached in and grabbed the top of his mask and just opened it and filled it with seawater. <laughs> <laughs> and I just went as fast as I could in the other direction. And I remember turning them back and just having a quick glance and he was hot on me heels. Eh? <laughs> that was the, that was the end of the day for us. Like it was about time where his dad was due to pick us up from uh, from the beach there. And we had to swim in anyway. So it just went, went hand in hand. Where I, yeah, just, just got to make sure he could still feel that salt water on his eyes for, <laughs> for a couple of minutes while he, while he hunted me down. I've I mean, never got back to the surf and got me fins off and me float line in and up the beach so quick in my life. And I was just, I think I was just cacking myself going past his old man and he's <laughs> he having a good chuckle, shaking his head. But, um, yeah, look, they're just shenanigans as you do as young fellas, you know, playing little tricks on your mates or or hooking all your fish onto your mate's float line so we can tow the big ball or yeah, something Yeah, like yeah, that. yeah, yep, done all yeah, those. I love a good little practical joke out there, but, yeah. That For me, is. usually being the, the only female on the boat, I'm usually the arse of all jokes, so um, <laughs> it's good fun. But... In terms of enjoyment, I reckon the funniest thing is probably when you finish spearing for the day and the antics that occur, um, i.e., what did we call it? Finnies instead of shoeies? Oh, oh yeah, we are doing a spearing comp and that was the time <laughs> everyone was doing finnies and I seen one bloke pour a, bit, uh, pour a beer in the bottom of his bilge and turn the bilge oh. pump on and, <laughs> and take it from the, from the skin. Oh, pit. rugged. Oh, 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 there was all sorts going on at that point, but um, we no, had one Aiden, of our we had one yeah. of our good mates, Aiden, on the boat. And, we had um, a little internal comp, and I think it was whoever shot the biggest fish for the day had to do a finny. Yeah, so and we'll, that was that was Aiden, and this guy, like some of the shit that this guy has done. Sorry, I've name dropped as well, Aiden, <laughs> if you're listening, but some of the shit this guy has done is just next level fucking chaos, but. He ended up doing it literally no questions asked and he straight armed it too. So it was Yeah, I got a good video of that, I'm yeah. pretty sure. Somewhere we'll just keep an eye on the Neptune page. I'm sure we'll drop it at some point. <laughs> yeah, it's pouring a I think it's pouring a um great northern tin down through a foot pocket on a diver or penetrator blade and yep. <laughs> he was at the end of it. Ah, <laughs> so, yeah, that's some good skills. Ah, uh, yeah. just no, that's just funny. He did games. Bear most of it. But <laughs> most yeah, trips home good. on the boat, the, the, the music's on and we're having a bloody good time all together on the way back in. 
So little dance parties and shit. Like this, the dance moves that Shelby can pull up. So <laughs> you hit a wave wrong and bust your neck in yeah. the middle of it. And that's it. I reckon just having fun, eh, on the way out, the way in. Like it's not, it's not just the spearing. Like all the stuff that happens off can be, can make yeah. it, eh? Yeah. Yeah, just them last with mates. Like I'll never forget when I was a kid back in the day, the old immersion DVDs, if you're familiar with them. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it was one of the early immersion DVDs where um, one of the lads had put his beaver tails on his wetsuit, but he'd incorporated <laughs> the, front, um, the front bow rail of the boat. In his um in his wetsuit, so when he went to yeah fall back off the boat, he was hung up. By, yeah, <laughs> hung up yeah. So I never that was probably one of the you know like all the boys that were with him that day. You can just see on the video were just having a having a great laugh with their mate, and that was obviously something they're obviously going to remember. And geez, I remember it, and I wasn't even there. You know what? Nearly yeah. twenty years on, so yeah, those boys probably still watch that and have a bit of a chuckle every few years. Exactly right, sure. but they're them lifelong. You know, that's that's their memories that you. When you get to the end of the road, I'm sure you'd be smiling a bit. So yeah, hundred percent. It well, is the world's best backyard that we've got here, and like even being able to go camp on the islands and stuff and do that side of things is, you know, I've got lots of great memories. I I can't really pick the funniest because there's so much antics that do occur. Proppies. Oh, proppies. <laughs> oh, definitely the proppies. They were the legendary fucking. <laughs> We had some mates, this was in a comp as well, and they were in a tinny and we were in the Haynes and Shelby just, oh, that's right, we were going to the camp on the island for the they night. Offloading all their dry stuff and their swags and I've had the motor trimmed a fair way up and like I sort of come gliding in with without any intention of doing anything. But as the boat swung around, this I've is the prime me. example of intrusive thought oh, put into yeah. action. <laughs> stay toxic, uh, stay toxic. But um, me, Aiden was there on the beach with, I think, with his bag of clothes, and I think me other mate Snow um, with his swag. Me other mate Snow was standing there with his. I think he's just yeah standing there with his gear, and um, me apprentice at the time, um, Jake was standing there with his stuff, and I just. I had this throttle in my hand and just everything's just, you know, the universe is just a line. And I went, you know what? Merry Christmas, fellas. And I just, <laughs> just sat it, just sat it clean on the limiter for, you know, a couple of seconds. All you could see at the back of the boat was just white, just raining down. Like it couldn't have got any better. And when I pulled back off the throttle and settled it down, the reactions of everyone was the best. It was just like a fire hose had been on them. Like there was literally water running off the gun <laughs> of the boat beside it, beside them. And like the swag looked like it, you couldn't have got it any wet if you held it underwater. <laughs> <laughs> and Snowy just looked at himself. Snowy took it like a champ. He just, took his, he just took his clothes off and stood there in his DTs and like, oh, all right, well, we're started for the day. <laughs> <laughs> And the apprentice is up there making makeshift bloody clotheslines and <laughs> trying to air dry everything as quickly as possible. Look, Proppies. A, the stars like aligned, eh? Nothing beats a good proppy, eh? Just sit her on the limiter. They love a good valve bounce. It doesn't hurt. It's all up <laughs> <money> anyway. <laughs> oh, jeepers. That sounds like a cracker, guys. This podcast is brought to you by aqualite.com.au. This is the best solution bar none for staying hydrated in the ocean. If you're a Spiro, it's an absolute no-brainer. It's a game changer. If you're doing extended trips and the cramp starts to set in and uh, the old body's telling you, hey, that's enough, 
Just get hydrated and it will save you a whole heap of woe. It's a groundbreaking product that can help you to stay hydrated. It's got low sugar, it's less acidic than other options on the market, it's rapid absorption, help you to maintain performance. Dehydration of just 1% to 2% can affect your mental and physical performance by up to 6 or 7%. And as when you're spearfishing, you can tell when dehydration is starting to affect you because the equalization goes out the window. Get Aqualite at aqualite.com.au. It's scientific rehydration that Spiros know and trust. I know because one works there, and that's why we've set up this discount code for you. 10% off when you use the code NoobSpiro at aqualite.com.au. Check it out. Australian-made hydration products tailored for Spiros and a whole bunch of other people that suffer from dehydration too. But check it out at aqualite.com.au. Use the code NoobSpiro to save 10%. Oldmanblue.com.au. You can't cheat experience. You can't fake passion. And damn, Old Man Blue can make gear that will last and stand the test of time. Check it out at Old Man Blue Dive on Instagram. All right, we're going to get into this last round of questions and then uh, hopefully I'm going to be able to tell these guys that are listening how they can come and connect with you, Pair of Legends. Spiro Q&A. Um, we'll, go, we'll go one question each way, eh? So I'll start with Caitlin. Okay. Um, oh, no, that one's too loaded for you. Um, <laughs> what is the single best piece of advice you have ever been given for spearfishing? Relax. Definitely. That's one of the things that I've always struggled with. I always end up being like overthinking and I think relaxing is number one key point. Okay. Make it practical for me. How do you relax? Focus on my breathing, focus on my, my game plan for my dive. Um, stop thinking about potentially people being at the shop. <laughs> so it sounds like what you're doing is sort of grounding yourself in the moment by getting centred on your breath and then thinking about the task at hand. Definitely, yeah. Right, Definitely cool. narrowing in as to what I'm doing right here, right now, and, yeah, focusing on that. Everything else just falls by the wayside, I think, when you do that. Love it. All right, cool. Um, Shelby, this one is fully loaded. Who is the best person to go spearfishing with and why? Yeah, lunch lady, because I don't go hungry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you spun that up too easily. Oh, and you followed that through with Nah. Well, guess who's going hungry now? <laughs> Look, I'm very blessed to have such a good dive, you know, good dive buddy, very switched on. And, um, yeah, we, we only dive in a fairly small group of my circle of, of friends anyhow, so we're all pretty – I don't know we've all got it down pat with how we're working together and whatnot. So, but On yeah, the same look, page. I like with Caitlin. Where um, she doesn't turn up to the ramp and say, "Oh, I forgot me fins" or something like that. <laughs> I'm the one that usually points out that someone has forgotten their fins. Yeah, right. that's handy. Look, I get I, I get to do what some people don't get to do, is which is go diving with your partner, and you know we both get to share it and love it. And yeah, that's uh, awesome. Yeah, very grateful for that. You'd think you would have put a ring on it by now, eh, Shrek? Yeah, 100%. What are you doing, bro? <laughs> All right. Um, <laughs> all right. I'm going to go with the fully loaded one for you too then. Um, who has been the most influential person or people in your spearfishing, Caitlin? Oh, there's definitely two. One of them is obviously <laughs> this start over here. Yeah, of course, um, you learn properties from. Yeah, well, true. 
Um, Who's the other and one? And the second is probably Lex, to be honest. Like, he was a major factor in me being able to just shut my mind off, have trust in myself, and, and just enjoy it for sure. So, yeah, massive shout-out, Lex. <laughs> Two more questions. One for Shelby and then one maybe you guys could try and answer together. Um Shelby, what would be your fish of a lifetime right now? Oh. That jobby if he landed it. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, geez. We got a record. Look, I've always been um look, I've always been interested in the Mahis just for their colours and whatnot. Um but have I, you landed I, it? Is no, that no, that is saying for oh. what would be my dream fish. Yeah, um, yeah. Something you're chasing like Eye on your bucket list right now. Look, it'd have to be. I don't really have much of a bucket list. Um, I'm pretty vanilla with it, but I'd definitely say it'd have to be mahi's. I'm interested in. Um, there, there, there's a lot of fish on my bucket list that I'd love to get, um, get an experience with in the water that I wouldn't necessarily need to pull the trigger on. Um, like I, I'd love to have a bit more experience with some billfish um, out there in the water, like especially when they just light up and you know them. Them, them colours and them just don't do them justice, what you see on a photo. So it's not about pulling the trigger, but um, just sharing in that moment and that experience, um, you know, just just those sort of things. Uh, so definitely billfish, but as for something to definitely spear, I'd love to pull the trigger on a nice mahi. Mm, big bull mahi. Mm. Yeah, Sorry, I think it's... Mahi hunting and wants two extra people, just <laughs> yeah, get us yeah, up. Yeah. <laughs> If you guys do get away on a holiday, like um, you got to look up Jager Crossingham. Um, he's working out of somewhere else in Fiji now, but Fiji seems to like he has taken some massive mahi over there. It's um, a glorious spot, hey? Yeah, we went over there for a Christmas a few years ago and yeah, loved it. Yeah. All right, cool. Last question, guys. Could you describe what the spearfishing experience means to you in one sentence? Oh. Survival and passion. Goof. <laughs> yeah, it's a um. With the current um climate, I would probably say survival for sure. <laughs> yeah, it's a hard one, Trek. I, I I think it's just a whole new world underwater. Really, it's um, it's peaceful and it's quiet. Um, and yeah, fish are just don't know they're captivating still. Like the reef, the the whole environment's just captivating. Um. There's there's nothing else like it out there, so yeah, definitely that. Just just being immersed in a whole new world. The diversity just, in it too, like you're never seeing the same thing over and over. It's always something different. That's about four sentences. Is that all right? Yeah. I was going to say, look, why not just we'll we'll turn this into an audio book, and you guys can do that. <laughs> no, no. Something that we can do is talk. No, I think the the purpose of that question really is to try and make people think about, you know, exactly what it means to you. And I think you both sort of captured that pretty well. Um, there's a fair bit to it. It's captivating, I think, was kind of the big summary, I think, of it. Yep. You know, every facet Definitely. of it. It's cool you guys do it together too. You're both a pair of legends. I've absolutely enjoyed having you guys on the show. Um, tell me about where people can come and find you. I mentioned your Instagram before. That is Neptune Spear and Dive. You've got a website in development. You're at 1A26 in Dever Street in Mackay up there. If people are in that area, 100% go and check out the Neptune Spear and Dive team. Um, Caitlin, sounds like you're nearly always in there unless you're out spearing. Um, 
Yeah, it's usually me 98.9% of the mm. time. Yeah. I just live in the shadows. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, if anyone lives in town or wants an easier direction, we are on Endeavour Street directly across the road from the transport department. Awesome. Yeah. Just look for the literal ocean on our window. You can't miss us. Yeah, <laughs> you'll see us. Legends. And, hey, if anyone's listening that is interested in running um, freediving and spearfishing in Mackay, I'd love to help you kick that off and maybe even come up and help you teach a course or two to get you started in the area because um, I think you guys have got a, a pretty cool location there. So, yeah. Awesome, let's do it. All good, guys. Well, um, thanks for listening to the podcast. Uh, we're over and out. Hey, legends. Uh, I hope you enjoyed that. Caitlin and Shelby, what a what an absolute pair of characters. Uh, if you live in that part of the world, you're doing well to get into your local spearfishing shop. I always love to see Spiros heading into their local shops and supporting the grass, grassroots businesses around them because these guys, they operate in your area. You build a relationship with them over time uh, and they know that. So they're not here to just sell you gear. They, they're here to uh, help you pursue the spearfishing life. I think those two, uh, by the sounds of it, are doing a fantastic job up there in Mackay. And uh, I'd encourage you to support your local shop. Um, yeah legends caitlin and shelby i hope you enjoyed that in two weeks time oh not even two weeks time actually in three days time i got another episode it's all back to back here i got the kingfish cup we're going to geek out on the yellowtail kingfish seriola leilandi with uh simon trip and craig sea dog from down there at the adreno sydney store and we are going to get jiggy with it with a couple of uh interesting facts tips and hunting strategies for the yellowtail kingfish. If you're interested in doing the Kingfish Cup, it runs over one weekend. It's a fantastic event, and uh, we cover over all the details in that. In three days' time, come back with Simon Tripp and Craig Seadog and I and, uh, and geek out on the yellowtail kingfish. Guys, um, as I mentioned at the start of the show, there are a bunch of legends putting fuel in the Noob Spiro outboard. You can do that at patreon.com forward slash Noob Spiro. There's three different, four different tiers now, uh, and just throw some, throw some cash in the uh, in the fuel tank, and that will be very welcome. But hey, come back in three days' time. Kingfish Cup. We're going to geek out on yellowtail kingfish. Simon and Craig. Hope you enjoyed today's episode, of Legends. Uh, thanks for leaving reviews on Spotify. See, we just ticked over two hundred five star reviews. I was absolutely stoked. So, cheers, Legends. See you in three days. This review for Adreno.com.au from Brett, particularly the Woolongabba Adreno Superstore. I started spearfishing more regularly recently and Adreno not only has everything I need, it has Paul. He's super helpful, knowledgeable and kits me out each time with gear that I actually use. Paul has also provided me with heaps of tips that have made my dives better and more fruitful. He has the friendliest vibe and I would happily empty out my account upon every visit. I never write reviews and I used to buy gear online but have now found in-store is much better. That review from Brett up on Google if you want to check it out adreno.com.au one of the longest running partners of the Noob Spiro podcast use the code Noob Spiro to save $20 in store online go to adreno.com.au massive superstores huge range of gear check it out absolutely mint customer service specialty spearfishing equipment elite spear gun performance components unforgettable reliability you want to find out where to buy this 
punchandneptonics.com and shop at the best US spearfishing store, neptonics.com. Free shipping to the lower 48 when you spend over 199 and you can use the code NOOB10 to save 10%. This is your chance to save Dosh, buy deadly good gear and experience A-grade customer service. Will you shop at the best? Visit neptonics.com. Use the code NOOB10 to start shooting 35-pound muttons tomorrow. Actual performance may differ from advertisement. Please refer to terms and conditions to see if you're eligible to be a legend-like track. This advertisement was not even endorsed by Jerry and the team at Antonics. Hoorah and God bless America.